0: with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show was recorded on the 17th of December, 2020. Episode, an intruder climbs onto the wing of an Alaska Airlines jet that was getting ready to leave Las Vegas. Officials are out with their final report on a Southwest Airlines uncontained engine failure. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 453 is ready for pushback.
3: Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning, Emmy award-winning, that is, uh, radio and TV reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 Wins. New York City! Yes, New York City. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, and this is the Airline Pilot Guy Show, a podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. And joining me... From her Lakeside studio in South. Wasn't quite ready for that one. Doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training, junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper, Dr. Steph.
4: I'm going to have to remove a few things from a lot of my title. Okay. I feel like one of these times you're going to pass out before you get to the end <laughs> of saying all of that from lack of oxygen, from not Aww. being able to breathe.
3: It's nice you're concerned about me i'm always Appreciate concerned that. about you oh, yeah, good is. to see you <laughs> in so many ways <laughs> all right and also joining us from across the pond in his studio in the english countryside professional photographer former raf RAAF fighter pilot retired captain for an international airline based in london it's captain nick
5: oh hi there jeff and uh, hi steph you know, every time I hear Steph's intro, I feel a bit inadequate. I, I want to go and live somewhere like Kakalaki. Uh, so I'm actually thinking of moving to somewhere like uh, Little Snodgrass or something.
3: <laughs> that would be nice. Although there's plenty of room there in Kakalaki. <laughs> all, all day long, they sing that song. It's true. Well, I'm sure that we can go. find
4: some um, mildly insulting sound clips about... Yeah wherever it is that you live.
3: We we could do that. Um, <laughs> can't, can't we, wait. We need to get the staff. Staff!
4: Get on that! <laughs> <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> the intern is on it.
3: Um, I don't know who going to Well, you know, uh, today is the 17th of December. I, I just uh, realized it uh, when uh, Roger was introducing the show. And it is the 117th anniversary of the first flight by the Wright brothers in North Cackalacky. Now, they don't talk about Cackalacky in the history books. They should, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah it would
5: be much more amusing if they had flown from Cackalacky. Y'all
4: poke, poke fun, but we have some important things that happen here no, from I, time to time, well, you 117, think we're, 117
3: years do ago. Do you think we're poking fun? I like I mean, I don't <laughs> no, I, th- I don't. view that as poking fun, really. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I, I wish I had with. a song like that for Roswell. Let
4: me, let me rephrase: having having fun with having fun with
3: the it. name Roswell, Roswell, Roswell all day long. No, not working.
5: No, no. Hey, don't do for L- me,
4: We'll either. come up with something.
3: Okay, we're going to work on this, folks. It's it's um it's a show. It's a work in progress. We like to say. And <laughs> but I'm glad you did <laughs>
4: <enough>. emphasize. <laughs> I'm glad you did emphasize that it was Cackalacky because let's be very clear first flight in North Carolina.
3: Yes. Just want
4: to emphasize that.
3: Do you do? Yes. Mm -hmm. And we were, Mm -hmm. before the show started, we talked about Steph's hatred for all things Ohio. It's true. It's now time for the news. It's true. And on news. All right, let's start with this very unusual thing that happened. And for this... <laughs> so
5: unusual, we've had about half a dozen of this show before.
3: Yeah, well, almost every show we have unusual things happening. Um, so uh, let me share my screen uh, so that we can watch a video of this very strange thing. Where is it? Here, let's see. Um yes. Here we go. Not
6: seeing
3: anything. Oh, yeah, I'm not either. That's really weird.
5: All Sorry, these folks. people are talking in the dark.
3: It's just very dark.
4: <laughs> it was nighttime. <laughs>
3: i thought, yeah, I, no thought moon. I thought there was a full moon all the window shades were closed but apparently not it was yep. a new moon not a full moon <laughs>
5: mm-hmm. and the cabin crew are going no yeah. no open your windshields your window shades for takeoff please
3: that's weird why is it that's not playing on the share screen thing okay
5: is it the new uh version of evernote
3: uh no i'm not even it has nothing to do with huh? Evernote.
5: Oh, okay. No.
3: Um but we can't he, blame them this time. Uh, well, we can, but you know it wouldn't be right to blame them because it's not their fault as far as I know. <laughs> um let's see. Let me see. Actually, that's not the one I wa- I have two videos to play for this news item and that was the second one I was going to play. Let me see if I can get the Vass Aviation one to work. So, hang on. Share screen again. I'm going to give it another shot. Application window and do I'm gonna this start one. Drinking. Okay.
4: Way ahead of you there, Nick.
3: Well, hang on then. Let me... Right. Got <laughs> one. Hey, did I... Um, yes. Nick, did I put one of those in the box for you too? That Liz sent... To... Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to be sure, because I, I just saw this. I put my beer into it right before the show, and I'm thinking, did I remember to put that in that box for Nick? Uh, okay. That was Liz's gift Okay. Um, Thank you, Liz. Okay, still. Nope, oh. Nope. Yeah, but I think it's going to work. Hang on. Okay. So now, back to our show in progress.
5: Mm-hmm. Yep, worked.
3: VAS Aviation. Real ATC audio. Kakalaki, kakalaki. That's the
5: yeah.
7: 1367 Las Vegas Tower. Go ahead. Yeah, for uh, Alaska 1367, we got a guy out here on Alpha 8 on the south side of Runway uh, 8 left. Say so what? <laughs>
3: 1367,
7: say that again. Uh, do you see this guy out here at intersection Alpha 8 between the runways? He's now entering the runway and walking towards us with his hands up. It's normal. 1367, no, I don't see him looking. Hold short, around the like, 8 lap at Alpha 8. Mm-hmm. We're holding short, and he's uh, off of our nose about 300 yards. And he's on the runway. <laughs> Any county mobiles on freight? <laughs> is he walking towards you, Alaska? Yes, he is. He's mm-hmm. in the middle of the runway. Alaska 1367, uh, you are uh, clear to do whatever you need to do if you want to get on the runway or uh, taxi away from this individual that's approved? We're not going to do that. We're going to wind up shutting down the motors. He's running at us right now. We need security out here ASAP. It's on on the way. You're going to have a county mobile vehicle here off uh, your right side in just a moment. It's 4712, contact departure. Departure for Southwest uh, 4712. We didn't see him when we uh, departed. 4712 Roger, contact. Thank you. you (laughs) are going to have a vehicle there in about one minute. Mobile 10, proceed on runway 8 left. Uh, You can expedite through that intersection. Next, traffic's on the 4 mile final for 1 left. Mobile 10, copy off. Yeah guys, he's directly to the left of us right now, right next to the airplane. We see him, there's uh, there's a vehicle on his way.
2: You know, patrol, have that aircraft uh, shut down his engines. He's trying to climb up on the wing. Have- Alaska
7: 1367, shut him down. Yeah, our, our motors uh, are already shut down. I was going to say, already you already said that. Have that aircraft shut down
2: engines. Uh, he is on top of the wing. Uh, he appears to be uh, drug or uh, under the kind of
3: The pilots or the yeah. guy and, oh, just to be clear, um, I think they should shut down the engines, which is what they told them, like, right off the bat, that they were going to shut the engines down. <laughs> anyway, there's more to it. We'll have a link to the uh vast Aviation, LiveATC.net communications, um, and such in the uh, show notes. But now, let's play this other video where someone in the airplane was filming with their... their uh, probably their phone, camera, and we'll watch that. And this is kind of crazy, actually. So there's a guy climbing on the um, the winglet. Kind of makes you, and this is a 737.
6: They're going to have to exit the wing from the
3: there's some commotion so in the airplane
5: they filmed this in uh portrait
3: yeah me too <laughs> yeah okay so he's, he's sliding down the uh Oops. the uh, winglet and then he falls in oh. yeah oh. thankfully they didn't oh. show us yeah. the whole Hitting, oh, there hitting,
4: is a longer version of this video where you can see him actually hit the hitting ground. Hitting the ground? Oh. oh the, the beginning here, too, where he takes his shoes off is a real... Uh...
3: <laughs> so
4: I'm not sure He's if trying we're... to climb up the winglet at first, and he can't do it with his shoes on, so, you know, obviously he takes his shoes off and then rolls his pant legs for up for better traction. Yeah. <laughs> but
5: yeah. where does he think he's going? I don't need those anymore.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a dead end. You can kind of see that from where he's standing, but it's not bleeding. Like, well, if I can to get anywhere. on top
4: of the winglet, they can't get me. So
3: I'll, I'll just stay yeah, there forever. Good point. Good point. I can yeah. see your thinking now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> He's very
5: thin. Oh, this is so nice. Unfortunately and for smooth, this
4: this uh, person, cool. what happens in Vegas did not stay in Vegas. <laughs> Everyone knows about it.
3: <laughs> it was quite a party that he went to last night. Hmm. Oh, oh, ow. Ooh yeah it is yeah Yeah, that's probably enough (laughs) okay (laughs) if you want to watch all the all the details uh we'll have these two videos in the show notes uh whoops okay now it's full screen on my computer i can't see anything else ah okay there we go excuse me so uh the last time you did something like this steph can you kind of take us through it what you were thinking um you know, I know that you love going to Las Vegas.
4: I've been to Las Vegas a few times, uh-huh. but definitely what happens in Vegas for me, at least. Obviously, stay there
3: because I don't recall you telling us about this.
4: Yeah, I am just glad that no one had cell phone video of it and um, it didn't make it onto, you know, major news networks. She yes. got the help she needed.
3: Yes. To, to be you. clear,
4: nothing like that has ever happened to me in Las
2: Vegas.
3: Liz said that, uh, that she did get the help that, that she needed. That's good. Y- yes. Here's a, a snapshot of the uh, gentleman um, who appears to be uh, performing in some kind of a musical or yeah. something. It looks like he's he, some kind he looks of a,
4: like he's mid song, right? Like just
3: yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me of. Um, some it kind of looks familiar to me. Like uh, it reminds me of um, um, something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> the Elf on the Wing. Elf on the Wing. <laughs> uh, Excellent. We have fun. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Yeah, what else to say about this? Obviously, this person is not mentally stable. Um,
4: I don't know. I hope he got the help he needs.
3: Yeah, me too. They said that, interestingly, they said that they uh, took him to the hospital for some minor injuries. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. minor injuries? He's got to have some major injuries. That must be like at least 10 feet, maybe 15 feet drop. From the the but when you're in-
6: drunk your body bounces
3: like- oh yeah you know, liz liz knows from experience that when you're drunk your body kind of just completely loosens up and kind of you know goes into a protection yeah. mode <laughs> she didn't that's she, my excuse anyway that's liz's excuse she said <laughs> uh, she didn't say that when she was drunk i added that part a little twisted twisted it up a little bit there thank you though liz i'm
2: um,
5: well, according to the report, it it took like forty five minutes for this thing to be set and sorted out. So mm-hmm. It's uh, amazing how much disruption one uh,
3: um, individual can create.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I thought it was interesting that Let's the, see, I was uh,
4: trying to find the Southwest
3: oh, the Southwest pilot could say, uh, uh, "Just for just for your information, we didn't uh, we didn't see him." <laughs> We know nothing. Yes. We know nothing. It we would have delayed our flight, and we have uh, commuter flights to catch.
6: We were taxiing so fast yeah. we didn't
3: see. <laughs> oh, yeah, this says they were taxiing. We were taxiing so fast we didn't see them. Everything's kind of a blur. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, what are you trying I was to trying find? To see if I can find the
4: height of the, oh, um, the uh wing the wing. Yeah. Mm, Where's
3: Colonel
6: Jeff?
3: Where's Colonel Jeff when you need him?
5: Right. Well, I yeah. hold boxes. Thinks the base of the wing is about thirteen feet. 13. So It's going to be okay. a little higher out there near the wingtip. Yeah. Particularly when you are halfway up the winglet. So it's got to be a good fifteen feet.
3: Yeah, I would. Th- I would think at least. Yeah, at least twelve to fifteen feet. I would imagine. So, and then, you know, d- directly onto the uh, cement uh, there. That just cannot be yeah. a good thing for the body. And it kind
5: of looked like he landed on his elbow. So I don't know. Mm. Anyway
3: broken elbows oh, uh, I
5: found it i I wish him well. I hope he doesn't do it again,
3: yeah, me too. What'd you find stuff?
4: uh no, I just had various different like diagrams yeah. I don't know which version of the seven three this one actually belongs to, but thirteen feet sounds sounds good. We're I'll gonna go, go with, with that.
3: it. that's gonna be our official stance okay well yeah and pretty much the uh the text the the narrative that goes with this uh, article basically says. What we saw in the video, you know, that he ran up to the airplane. Apparently, <laughs> thankfully, they shut the engine down because that seems to me the only way that he could have climbed up onto the wing is by, you know, using the uh, the engine nacelle to uh, get up. Unless he's a really yeah. good jumper. I doubt it. So. Does it
6: get hot? Does the nacelle get hot?
3: Um, Liz is asking if the nacelle gets hot and the, the back end of it. Yes. But uh, mm. the front end the front. of it, I don't think so. No. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't be unless they had the engine. And I saw in which in Las Vegas, Nevada, that's very very rarely happens, especially yeah. on the ground. So um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's usually pretty warm there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, you know if that engine had been running, and he used that to boost himself up and on the wing. We could be talking about a fatality here, and not just some mm-hmm. some injuries. Uh,
5: anyway, yeah. it was Alaska Airlines, so they're pretty mm-hmm. chilly those airplanes.
3: Yeah, you know, maybe it was still cold from their trip down from the Great White North. Yeah, yeah it's possible.
5: Absolutely, yeah, not possible. Which is why like straight out of the a, movie, like the the wing.
4: Disney movie Frozen. <laughs> Speaking yes. of ice, <laughs> yes.
3: well, yes. As uh, thank you, Liz. Perfect uh, segue. Speaking of ice, <laughs> mm. a nice cold uh, item B Spirit airplane slides off taxiway into the grass at BWI, which is Baltimore Washington International Airport no injuries reported and this is from wjla wjla
6: sent in Baltimore. By
3: micah. uh sent in by micah did you mm-hmm. say okay yep. thank you micah yep. and here we go spirit airplane slid off the taxiway thursday morning which is today thursday i know why because it's really snowy up there in the northeast um uh, let's see. They it oh, it's, really.
5: I I'd look at the the forecast for Baltimore today, and there was no precipitation at all. Only a ten percent chance. Well, did you look at what it did overnight,
3: though? Yeah, they got a lot of snow. I flew. I just I just came by there oh, and looked down there, and there's a lot of snow and ice on the ground in uh, Baltimore for sure. Ah, okay, that um, might
5: explain it. Though.
3: So let's see here. Now it says the taxiway. It doesn't say the runway. So it's my guess that. It was actually on a taxiway and not a runway. So it seems to me maybe they were not used to taxiing around an airplane in slippery conditions. speaking of
4: Segways, I believe they just arrived from Las Vegas.
3: Oh, how about that? (laughs) Wow. You you couldn't uh, make this stuff up.
4: You couldn't tie these together any better. No. If you wanted
3: to. Yeah, you're right. They uh, came in from Las Vegas uh, at about 6.18 a.m. And this morning about that time, I'm sure it was not not very pleasant uh, as far as the weather conditions. There were 111 passengers aboard the plane as the flight landed safely and without incident. Um, Let's see. As the aircraft taxied to the airport terminal, it slid off a taxiway into the grass and there were no injuries. Um, So let's see. Yeah. So that's one of those Mm -hmm. things that usually when you um, operate in these kind of conditions and all all pilots out there can, who have operated in these conditions kind of weather conditions can can verify this that uh, a lot of times the runway is the surface that is in the best condition they really take you know pains to make sure that the uh, runway is treated properly you know scraped uh, as much as i can of any contaminant and uh, sometimes they even use chemical um, additives and stuff to uh, uh, make sure that the runways as has as much friction as possible and but as much attention as they spend on the runways uh, a lot of times the uh, the taxiways get a little neglected and so you have to remember and remind yourself that after you've landed and it oh pretty good braking action okay let's just uh, take this taxiway exit you have to remember that the taxiway may be like an ice rink and i think that's what happened yeah and here.
4: especially in that area because i think they had more of a mix of freezing rain and sleet and ice and snow on top of it and yeah all that fun stuff that makes for very slippery surfaces.
3: Yes. And, uh, thank you, Liz. She was reminding me, do we have any pictures of that, Jeff? Mm -hmm. She said that very, very nicely. Um, here we go. There is said spirit jet off the edge of the taxiway. And here's another one, a little bit closer view. And, uh, an just even closer view. A
5: distance from the center line. How he managed to get that far off the center line?
3: Um, well, he probably didn't start ice. there. Yeah, the ice, I think, probably. <laughs>
5: yeah, well, helps. I know, but just go back to the first one where you get a nice down view of him.
3: Okay, okay, going back.
5: That center line is off off, off the edge of his wingtip. Mm-hmm. That's the center line, isn't it?
3: Yes. Yeah, he, he may have been coming in off he, that, um, that that, that um converging taxiway. No, probably and not. It just well. kept going. And then it just like <laughs> he, when he started to make the turn to the right, yeah, it just kept going. Like this way. Yeah. You know, I don't know.
5: Yeah, good point.
3: Um, I,
5: I must admit I watched one of uh uh our A three forties uh slide off a taxiway at Heathrow once. And uh, poor old Russell, he was uh Russell he was only doing about four knots. Uh but uh it was just, the sun had just gone down, the temperature had dropped, they hadn't put any uh, anything out, and they had rained earlier in the day, and the water on the taxiway just froze. Mm. And uh, he just, it was just so gentle. He just, th- 300 tons of aeroplane just would not stop.
3: <laughs> no, a lot of momentum to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, it was, it was like watching something in slow motion as he just, Glided gently off the taxiway under the grass. We have we'll a report win. from.
2: Oh
3: Hillel no! In the shower there, Jeff. We, just, well, hang on, I hang. You got
6: a report from? Uh,
3: hang on, let me see. Um, Liz is telling me something important here. Um, uh, let's see.
6: It's his home airport, even though he's in the shower. So.
3: But I'm hearing. I'm hearing the shower. Hello. Do you have anything for us? Okay, but I'm dripping wet <laughs> every time. Every time he's dripping wet. You'd think by now I'd learn, but uh, anyway. So Hillel says that. Go ahead, Liz.
6: They landed and we're going to the gate, and there was black ice everywhere.
3: They landed and going to the gate. There was black ice everywhere. That sounds like a poor excuse to me. Um, so they landed. It looks to me, based on this last picture that I'm presenting via our screen share. Uh, that they landed on runway 28. And then over here, you take this uh, taxiway exit, and then they continued on to this, I don't know what taxiway designation this is, to cross the, uh, uh, the other runway. Um, what would that be? That would be 3-3 three, three left, I believe. But I think their momentum was just such that as soon as they hit this other taxiway, they hit the, the ice, and, and the airplane just kept going in that general direction. Ah! I don't know if you can see that or not. Anyone who's
4: ever driven in icy conditions
5: will empathize a bit. Yeah. I wonder if he uh, had time to use his reversers.
3: I don't know. I'm wondering if, I mean, I'm thinking, uh, looking in this picture, the uh, they have some air stairs uh, connected to the, to the back. I'm wondering if, you know, why that didn't provide some drag. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute, maybe that wasn't uh, actually there at the time. <laughs>
6: That was Jen heading
3: for the... uh, Oh, yeah. I can see Jen. Here, let's see if we get a little closer view. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, there she is. There she is in the the Mm -hmm. air stairs truck. Mm Oh,
4: yeah, (laughs) Jen. Came all the way from Columbia.
3: Yeah. She drives fast. (sighs) (laughs) All
4: the way from Ohio.
3: All the way from Ohio. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let me stop screen sharing there. All right. So, yeah. Be careful out there, everybody. It's it's a slippery. And... uh, yeah, you can even see that in this. Well, no, you're not looking at the uh, picture anymore. But you could kind of see where that uh, that uh, moisture on the taxiway kind of just froze over, and uh, yeah, not a good, not a good situation. Okay, let's go over here to this. Anything else to say about that except that slow down. Uh, I am
5: I'm Ray Williams has just written in the uh, chat room about uh-huh. um, where urea comes from. And I don't think I dare read it out because I'm hoping that's a spelling mistake. Where your rear comes from?
4: I think there's a there's a consonant missing.
5: Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm sure that's not where they get the urea from. Uh, ladies of the night, Ray. No, it doesn't come from
3: that. <laughs> um, I don't know why we're talking about your rear on the uh, show. It's not really appropriate. <laughs>
5: Well, yeah, all your nose, or your mouth, yeah. or anything else.
3: Right, your front, your rear, whatever. Okay. But you, bam! All right, let's go to uh, item C. Final report: accident, Southwest Boeing seven three seven near Pensacola on August twenty seventh, twenty sixteen, uncontained engine failure. Southwest Airlines seven thirty seven seven hundred, November seven six six Sierra Whiskey performing flight three four seven two from New Orleans to Orlando. Uh, was climbing through flight level 310 out of New Orleans, about 80 nautical miles west of Pensacola, Florida, when the front section of the left-hand engine, a CFM-56, separated. Debris impacted and punctured the left side of the fuselage, causing a loss of cabin pressure. But you'll remember this was just a few months before the other um, Southwest 737 with a CFM-56 had the same issue, um, the uh, or very similar or they lost the front end of the engine. And in that case, uh, also, it was not contained and um, it penetrated the fuselage. And then, of course, we know that that was the, uh, I think it was the only death um, reported in a US airline that year. Um, and uh, yeah, we know that story well. This one didn't get as much attention as the uh, the one where the passenger sadly passed away. Um, Just now coming out with the report, uh, a low cycle fatigue crack in the dovetail of fan blade number 23, which resulted in the fan blade separating in flight and impacting the fan case. This impact caused the fan blade to fracture into fragments that traveled farther than expected into the inlet, which compromised the structural integrity of the inlet and led to the in-flight separation of inlet components. A portion of the inlet struck the fuselage and created a hole Causing the cabin to depressurize. Uh, let's see. The flight crew conducted an emergency descent and landed safely at Pensacola International Airport about 21 minutes after the fan blade out. Oh, FBO. They have even an acronym for that now. Fan blade out event occurred, FBO. The fan blade fractured due to a low cycle fatigue crack that initiated in the blade root dovetail under the blade coating near the outboard edge. So if you're.
5: I've at- got a. Blade root uh, dovetail oh, right here. Yeah, mm. be careful. And here's one I've already made. So you can see this is a, this is a blade uh, yeah. that is meant for uh, fighter pilots because it's also a bottle opener. Ah. Um, so, <laughs> it's uh, been modified yeah. slightly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You can see at the base of the blade, there's a uh, a dovetail shape there mm-hmm. uh, that's sometimes called a Christmas tree, depending on the design when it's got more than one section and uh, it just slots into the female portion in the uh, ring that uh, supports all the blades for that stage. So that's what a dovetail joint Very cool. Is.
3: That's a very good visual. Thanks, Sorry if you're
5: on the podcast. Yeah, if you're listening to the audio only.
3: <laughs> you're, you're not getting the full effect here, but just use Maybe your imagination. Take a picture
4: right. of it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I
3: could do that. There you go. I'll get right on that. Um. Let's see. After this accident, CFM, that was sarcastic. the, uh, yeah, there was a little sarcasm and, and passive aggressiveness in that last comment. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> after this accident, uh, CFM, the engine manufacturer, uh, re-evaluated the fan blade dovetail stresses and determined that the fatigue cracks initiated in an area of high stress on the dovetail and that the dovetail was experiencing peak stresses that were higher than originally predicted. Uh, let's see. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Anyway, a lot of detail here, but kind of what everybody figured. It's not really a surprise um, what they determined as far as, you know, how this whole thing happened. They knew it had something to do with the fan blade um, fracture yeah. and let go. But the interesting thing about the it, though, is surprise. that they're, they're supposed to the, – the inlet housing, I mean, it's supposed to be demonstrated. I think they demonstrate this in testing. Is supposed to be able to contain – a fan blade letting go right nick
5: yeah that that's obviously a concern yeah. um because quite honestly if you're sitting uh, uh in the aircraft looking out at the front of the engine thinking uh i hope that <laughs> if they lose a blade it's contained because i'm right in the firing line here and you can tell that uh, there was damage done because there's a damn great hole. Actually, not quite as big as I would have expected uh, for a depressurization. I would have thought the aircraft pressurization system might have been able to cope with a hole of that size, but um, apparently not.
3: I guess not. I mean, there's a picture on screen right now of it, and something it gives you something to think about when you're sitting on the airplane, <laughs> kind of a being yes. in position, <laughs> hoping... Yeah. Uh, that it, it stays to together. Down. Yeah, sit 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 Yeah. Sit in the that. aisle uh, seat. <laughs> Maybe you'll have a better but chance. But that
5: previous shot had the, a picture of the hole in the
3: mm-hmm.
5: fuselage just below the window there. It doesn't look vast, Jeff. I no. Mean, you think doesn't about have it, to
4: be. Sorry? I said doesn't have to be.
5: Well, no, if you look at the... Um, uh, the outlet valves for the pressurization system, uh, you know, they're a reasonable size uh, when they're open and running. Um, I, I don't know, uh, really. But yeah. I guess it's a smallish airplane.
3: Um, mm. the uh, I guess the difference here between this particular incident and the one, um, let's see, was it near Philadelphia, um, mm-hmm. was the fact that uh, one of those fan blade pieces actually hit a window and that's why uh, a fatality resulted so anyway we'll have all this stuff in the show notes if you want to check it out yourself and there we go we're back to non-screen sharing anything else to add about this uh incident
5: no well otherwise Mm -hmm. uh, other than to say this is pretty rare for for uh, an uncontained engine failure so you shouldn't be too concerned, uh, but uh, obviously CFM are going to make doubly certain that, one, the blades are checked more frequently, and, two, I'm sure they're going to look at their cowling designs. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Always
4: I'm, something to be learned, right? Yes. Mm.
3: Yeah, you know, if you're not learning something every day, then you're just not trying. Okay. <laughs> yes. Report okay. Uh, Jet 2. <laughs> Liz, you don't have to laugh. That wasn't a joke. You don't have to be laughing. She's laughing about the stupid things (laughs) that I say. I'll do that (laughs)
4: on (laughs) something. Okay. See, we're just not, we're we're not, we're trying hard not to do it, you know, on air. But Liz is behind the scenes. I'm trying to keep from,
3: I'm trying to keep from laughing to myself. Like, what the heck did you just say? (laughs) Okay. Item D report Jet two Boeing 737 800 at East Midlands on the 9th of February 2020, earlier this year rejected takeoff above v1 and we did and as Nick mentioned before we started the show recording today we'd actually covered this one um, when it how or shortly after it happened and uh, looks like they have a uh, bulletin concluding the probable cause of the serious incident. And that was just uh, a few days ago. December 10th is when the the uh, AAIB, the air accidents investigation branch. I think that's what this stands for. Bureau branch a board board. One of those board I think. your choice. Uh, yeah. The commander had I'm a board. <laughs> the commander had a high workload managing the departure and to give himself time decided that the co-pilot should fly the takeoff. <laughs> Thank you.
4: Air accidents investigation branch.
3: I thought it was branch. Ding, 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 ding. I win. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, that's what the official website says. Anyways,
6: in the UK. Huh.
3: I know. You'd think that somebody that lives in the UK lives would would know that, right? You'd think. You'd think.
4: <laughs> I've said it before. Acronyms
3: are dangerous. <laughs> they are very. They're very dangerous. It could be Alcoholics Anonymous Investigation Bureau. <laughs> You know, it could be. No,
5: alcoholics Anonymous in bar.
3: In bar. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fail right there.
5: Yeah. Okay. Where, where do you all hold your meetings?
4: Well. Oh, in the
3: bar. We don't have a very good success rate with our
8: particular chapter. <laughs> a lot
3: of relapsing. <laughs> a lot of relapses. Okay. Uh, so the uh, the commander let the uh, co- decided that the co-pilot should fly the takeoff. In very gusty wind conditions, the aircraft encountered a wind shear event near V-1 which is the decision speed, which caused a 13-knot reduction in airspeed. That's considerable. Additionally, the strength of the crosswind during takeoff caused the aircraft to veer to the right, concerned that the aircraft might leave the runway, and considering the situation to be unsafe, the commander initiated a runway, I mean, a rejected takeoff, an RTO, five seconds after V-1. Uh, That's a long time after V-1. The crew had not called V-1, although the automatic callout had sounded the standard operating procedure is to continue a takeoff when V-1 has been reached because, as the manufacturer commented, successful outcomes are more likely when the takeoffs continued rather than rejected. In this case, the aircraft stopped on the runway with 600 meters of runway remaining. The number four wheel and brake unit suffered heat damage from the full braking being applied during the rejected takeoff. The Air Accidents Investigation Branch summarized a sequence of events... Um, so they go into a little bit more detail here. Uh, Nick, did you want to make any comments about the uh, about what happened here and the conclusion by the uh, branch?
5: Uh, well, they're just quoting the uh, really the recommendation um, is that uh, once you've uh, reached V1, uh, then you should, unless there's absolutely dire circumstances, uh, you should generally uh, carry on with the uh, takeoff. Um, it seemed that the crew, because they'd had a indicated airspeed loss um at just around or just before a v one um they uh the captain appears to uh indicate that he felt justified in rejecting, but of course, we all know that that speed is actually a, a relationship to the distance you 've got um you, you If you get a sudden wind shear on the runway and you lose thirty knots it doesn't mean that you can still stop the aircraft. Your your ground speed is still uh, high, and uh, if you try and reject above everyone, the likelihood is that you'll run out of uh, runway, despite your indicated airspeed, uh, because of a wind gust, is showing uh, you're travelling slower now. It's not the case, and we should all be aware of that as captains. and Well, any pilot should, uh, really. Uh, So... Um, to uh, we're always taught in uh, in wind shear conditions, um, if you get a severe wind shear, even though your speed may be indicating something quite low, uh, you should uh, probably, assuming you are pretty certain you're above B one, you should really continue the takeoff. I think um, biased by the the change in direction that had occurred, which uh, I, there isn't really an indication as to a cause why are they suddenly other than a wind gust perhaps but it seems a very strong um veering of the aircraft towards the edge of the runway so 20 to 30 degrees is a lot uh when you're traveling fast uh and uh, if you actually had that amount of deviation it would only be half a second before you're off the runway because think about it you're doing uh 100 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour, suddenly point your car 30 degrees to the right, uh, it's going to be then before you're off the road. The same in an aeroplane. It could could have been skidding, uh, but uh, it all sounds a little bit... uh, um, The the captain made a decision based on the fact that he felt that the aeroplane was in a lot of danger of leaving the runway at very high speed. So... I guess we we weren't sitting in his seat. We can't double guess him, but uh, I would just put the, the thing out there that generally speaking, our training is that once you're above V1, you uh, you carry on and you you try and fly the airplane out of that situation.
3: Yeah, to keep it on the runway, just you know, keep it getting more and more speed or whatever, and then you know, pull up before you get to the end of the runway, and and yeah. uh, you know, you should uh, safely fly away. And I, it almost seems like it, perhaps um Either a misapplication or, or not uh, an appropriate reaction with the uh, with the rudders uh, as far as the co-pilot was concerned in this situation to off- offset that um, you know that that drift that crosswind um, influence or something.
5: Yeah, which also seems a bit odd because uh, you know it's perfectly natural at that point uh, if the nose veers one way, you use the rudder in the appropriate direction to counter it. It's not like they were doing anything weird. It's not like you're kicking off drift and trying to coordinate ailerons. This is just straightforward steering the airplane down the runway with the rudders. So um, I'm a bit surprised that um, you know, they got themselves in this difficult situation. But I guess the proof of the pudding is they stopped short of the runway, um, and everyone was safe. There. So, you know, well done.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It was a good outcome, even though yeah. they did the, uh, you know, the not appropriate thing in this situation
5: exactly yeah
3: had they gone 600 feet past the end of the runway we could be talking about something completely different
5: yep yeah Uh, and also the fact that the auto queue had gone for v1 but the captain hadn't taken his hands off the thrust levers which is usually uh an automatic so he still had his hands on the on the thrust levers and uh Course with his hands in contact he may have imagined to himself that it was still okay if he pulled the engines back. Um and why they weren't doing those actions according to the automatic caller, I don't know. Um they said because they hadn't called V one. Um the airplane knew it was at V
3: one, <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. And even say here that removing the physical connection to the thrust levers or levers at V1 is intended to remove the possibility that pilots will instinctively or impulsively close the levers in response to an adverse event. Yeah, that's exactly why we, you know, at V1, hands go off the throttles so that you don't have the have the uh, propensity or not propensity the uh,
5: uh, temptation
3: temptation temptation so exactly yeah, Your brain doesn't
4: go, hey,
3: for. yeah,
4: I don't like it anymore.
3: Sounds like some confusion there, as you said, because he didn't call out V1, still had the, his hands on the throttles. And then, you know, you, you encounter this loss of airspeed and the airplane starting to veer. And perhaps he didn't know anything else to do but to just try to stop the airplane before it flo- uh, started flying. I don't know.
5: Which he succeeded in doing. So Yeah. You know, that's cool. But I think there's a lesson for us all uh, yeah. uh, in this accident report.
3: Yep. I agree. All right. Next one. That's a report. This is an odd one. Serious incident. A Cessna 525 Citation CJ1 November 680 Kilo uh, Hotel. Didn't we just have an N number with a 680 and one of these other things? Interesting. Did we? Uh, but not a Kilo Hotel. Um, but maybe I'm just hallucinating. Um, anyway, <laughs> the... Uh, Or maybe it's because I read this article a couple of days ago, and it just looks familiar. I don't know.
4: Some deja vu.
3: Some deja vu. That, too. Um, Let's see. They were uh, departing out of Bournemouth International Airport. How did I do? Bournemouth?
5: Uh, Yeah, not bad, actually. Uh, Nice place down by the coast.
3: Oh, okay. Ding, Um, ding, Ding. Yeah, where's my bell? I don't know. I don't know where the heck it is. Use your imagination. Okay. Um, ding. Ding. <laughs> yeah. I have one here somewhere. There's so much stuff on this desk. It used to be so nice and clean and organized. So did my brain <laughs> at one point. <laughs> okay. No comment. Um, the pilot had recently bought the aircraft, a Cessna 525 Citation CJ1 Plus, which had been fitted during its previous ownership with a Tamarack. ATLAS, which stands for Active Technology Load Alleviation System, uh, wing extensions and winglets. Active aerodynamic control surfaces are positioned in the horizontal section of these extensions. These control surfaces, known as Tamarack Active Camber Surfaces, or TACs, are automatically activated in high positive or negative G situations to unload the wing and keep the wing loading within the original envelope. On the incident day, the owner was intending to fly himself and three friends from Bournemouth to Rotterdam. The pilot, who operated the aircraft in a single pilot capacity, occupied the front left seat. One friend occupied the front right seat, and the other two were seated in the passenger cabin. The aircraft took off from runway 8 at Bournemouth uh, at 2.17 p.m. local time. The pilot engaged the autopilot shortly afterwards. It flew a heading of 075 and climbed to an altitude of 3,000 feet uh at 1418 and 35 seconds atc instructed the aircraft to i don't know why that's important anyway air traffic control instructed the aircraft to climb to flight level 100 which the pilot read back the air traffic controller instructed resume on navigation direct goodwood which required the aircraft to turn right Uh, no response was received from the pilot to that and two further transmissions the pilot recalled feeling light vibration, then a button on the left of the instrument panel labeled ATLAS eliminated, displaying the text ATLAS INOP LIMIT 140KIAS, one or 140 knots indicated, um, airspeed in red. Uh, when the aircraft was around 6 nautical miles east of the airport at 3,000 feet and 258 knots indicated, the aircraft rolled left with a rate that the pilot described as very quick. As it rolled through 45 degrees, the autopilot disengaged automatically. That makes sense. The pilot reported applying full right aileron and full right rudder, but these actions were insufficient to control the aircraft. He moved the throttles to idle and used both hands on the control column, but the aircraft continued descending. Recorded data show or data showed that a bank angle alert was generated at around 60 degrees roll. 60 degrees roll, and there was a sharp increase in normal acceleration, which reached plus 2.65 g. The aircraft's roll angle peaked at 75 degrees left wing down with nine degrees nose down pitch. This is not looking good. 19 seconds after the onset of the roll, its rate of descent peaked soon after at 4,500 feet per minute. Now, remember, it was about 3,000 feet. only at 3,000 feet? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're. This is a not good a situation, not a good situation, corresponding with an airspeed of 235 knots, reaching a minimum altitude of 2,300 feet. Uh, during the upset, the pilot pressed the eliminated Atlas button and reset the Atlas main circuit breaker, but neither action had an effect. I don't know how he was able to find the circuit breaker during all this. Yeah,
4: while well, he's <laughs> must rolling been, and descending,
3: I, and must have been pretty handy.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, because for me, I'm thinking circuit breakers. Most of the circuit breakers on the airplane that I fly are, are behind me. I would not been, have been perhaps able to it's do this. In a
5: prom- prominent it's, since this was a modification, perhaps it was on mm. the box itself yeah. or in a prominent position. Perhaps
3: so. Yeah. Um. So at about uh, 19 minutes past two o'clock, the pilot reported a problem to ATC. Uh, the controller attempted to ascertain what was wrong, but the pilot sounded breathless and strained and his transmissions were incomplete and difficult to decipher. (laughs) I probably thought he was about to die. Whilst the pilot did not declare an emergency, the controller, believing he sounded extremely shaken, advised him to join left-hand downwind for runway 8 and instigated a full emergency procedure. The pilot recalled it took all his strength to lift the aircraft's nose, reduce its airspeed, and recover the bank angle to around 30 degrees left wing down. climbed the aircraft to 3,200 feet, and the airspeed reduced to 144 knots indicated. It then entered a descending left turn. After descending from 900 feet to 300 feet above mean sea level during the downwind leg, I guess that's all that means, right? AMSL? I'm not used to seeing that uh, unit.
2: Mm,
5: Above mean
4: sea level? Yeah. Okay. They just don't usually include the above because it's assumed.
3: (laughs) Um yeah, because if you're below sea level, then we're talking about sub submarines, I think. Or um, uh, Death Valley. You could
5: be flying over the Dead Sea.
3: Well, I mean, but if, it's, but if you're over water, you'd be under the water. That's what I mean. Okay. That's what I'm thinking in my head. But
5: the Dead Sea is full of
3: water. Yes. Or in Death Valley. Or Death Valley. And the Death Valley is full of water. But then you usually put, put a
4: little negative or a minus sign in front of the numbers, yeah. and that indicates that you're below
3: I'm now thinking I should not have made that editorial comment. <laughs> um, you know, Jeff, you just never learn. In learned. an attempt to clarify yeah, things, you, you, ne- yeah. you just made it worse, Jeff. Thank you. Okay,
4: you can
3: uh, edit it. Yeah, uh, Liz says I can edit it, but I'm not going to because I want to show you that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a frail and and uh, um, some fallible. kind of human fallible <laughs> human. Fallible. Thank you. Yeah, and we're below 50%. Thank you, whoever put that on the screen. <laughs> that was me. Okay. Now, where was I? <laughs> um, the aircraft turned onto a base leg above a sports field. I'm not sure why that's important. The pilot reported using continuous full right aileron and some right rudder until landing. Less right rudder was required as airspeed reduced, and he achieved lateral control by modulating his right foot pressure. By reducing that pressure, the aircraft turned. Continuously through left base onto a one nautical mile final approach, right of the runway center line at 200 feet AMSL. The tower controller described the turn as so tight that the aircraft appeared to be on its side. He and several colleagues believed the aircraft would crash short of the airfield. At the landing speed of 105 knots, the pilot believed he could land the aircraft straight, so he used less right foot to straighten the approach. And when over the runway applied full flap, the aircraft landed at Fourteen twenty three. So this whole thing started shortly after two o'clock, and hmm. so about like
4: 15 or something, four seventeen.
3: Oh, was that it? It, it was even less yeah. time. Yeah, or
4: if not four two seventeen. Sorry. Yeah, uh, 14, two, The
3: plane was put up for sale. So and as Liz says, at fourteen twenty four, the airplane was put up for sale. <laughs> <laughs> And the pilot was last seen heading for a laundromat to wash out his shorts for a bar or a bar or both. (laughs) Both. He was at the bar without a shorts, so he accomplished both. (laughs) Um, So here we go. During the investigation of the TACS control unit, a screw and washer which attached and earthed the electrical connector printed circuit board to the unit's chassis were missing and found elsewhere in the unit. These items caused a short circuit in the uh, tax control unit on the 23rd of April, 2019 Eaza issued an emergency airworthiness directive requiring Tamarack, the company that makes this thing uh, Atlas to be deactivated and the tax to be fixed in place on Atlas equipped citations. And they came up with a fix resolving the emergency airworthiness directive on the 11th of July, 2019. Um, so the conclusion by the Air Accidents Investigation Branch was that the uncommanded left roll occurred because a short circuit in the left Atlas control unit caused the associated control surface to fail in the fully deflected up position. The yes. pilot who yeah. had <laughs> recently purchased the aircraft had already modified. Um, well, no, the pilot who recently purchased the aircraft already modified with the Atlas winglets was not aware of the associated aircraft flight manual supplement which was absent from the relevant section of the aircraft's flight manual. So I knew nothing about, that oh, kind of sounds like the pilots flying airplanes with MCAS didn't know it was there. Um, mm. I know. I'm well, not. he
4: Didn't he pull the circuit breaker on it or reset the circuit yeah, breaker for the known, system
3: though? Yeah.
4: Something about it.
3: Yeah, must've known something about it, you're right. The pilot's instinctive response to the aircraft upset was different to that assumed by certification flight testing and the ATLAS Inoperative Emergency Procedure. Some of those differences may be addressed by the Aircraft Safety and Certification Reform Act of 2020, which is underway in the USA. Um, so, um, more uh, detail on this investigation and report will be included in the show notes, including the actual final report. Uh, there are some photos, and it shows the, um, this uh, TACS control unit um, and the printed circuit board and the the hole where the screw is supposed to be with the washer and then you can see the screw off to the side uh, clearly not in the right place <laughs> and uh, i mean i think you know the the pilot here did an awesome job of controlling mm-hmm. this airplane and not not letting it crash you know that's yeah absolutely pretty amazing
5: oh very much so yeah um so congratulations to him i i, I would just But one slight caveat to that in that if you've got the airplane uh, under control after a a severe flight control malfunction, which was the situation he was in, uh, I'd be very tempted if you're flying the aircraft fine and you're going into Bournemouth, which is a reasonably big airport, uh, not to put your flaps down on very short finals, which is what he did, because you really don't know the effect that that change in configuration is going to have on the controllability of the aircraft. If you've got it under control, just leave it as it's configured and put it on the runway. Uh, Chances are you'll stop without a problem. Uh, On the other hand, if you have time, uh, when you're at altitude and you're high enough to safely recover the aircraft, uh, configure the aircraft as you would for landing and make sure that you've got full controllability, uh, so that you are confident that you can put the flaps down when you, uh, you know, want to bring your speed back and, and land. So I I agree.
3: Okay. When I saw that part of the report, Nick, I thought the same thing. I was very surprised that when he thought the landing was assured, he put the flaps out. And I'm thinking, why? Why? Why did you do that? I mean, as you said, it's not a not a short runway situation, as far as I know. But no,
5: uh, I think it was probably an instinctive thing from him. Oh, mm-hmm. geez, I'm going to land. I've got my flaps out. I need to put my flaps out. But yeah. actually, it, you know, it might have made things really bad. And on the short finals, when you're very close to the ground, you wouldn't have had time to to perhaps recover from any problems you had.
3: I mean, I land without my flaps all the time because I usually forget. But. Um. <laughs> Just kidding.
5: You know, checklists and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, there's your first also shouting at you. you go,
3: I don't know. What the heck is he shouting at me? Why
0: are you making so much noise? I don't, why,
3: why is that guy constantly yelling at me? I <laughs> don't yeah, understand. Yeah. So mean. Um, all right. Yeah. So good job not crashing that airplane. Um, all right.
5: That sounded like an odd modification there, didn't it?
3: It, it does. It kind of yeah. Re- I'm wondering what the what the point of that was. I mean, a, a wing, uh, unloading the wing, but um, didn't they design the airplane so that it the wing loading could handle? It, it doesn't seem to me like it was uh, explained well enough.
4: Automatically to, activated in high positive or negative G situations to unload the wing and keep I the mean, wing loading a within rare the original
5: occurrence. Yeah, but I wouldn't expect that, times, that. Yeah, the citation CJ one is... exceed the G limits of a of an aircraft like that very rarely.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It just seems odd to me too. That don't, maybe I'm, we're not quite grasping what the whole point of that system is. But anyhow, all right. Um, so we remember earlier this year. Um, seems like it was longer than that, but it was earlier this year that the uh, Pakistani Pakistan International Airlines flight eighty three hundred three crashed in Karachi, and uh, they surmised that. They forgot to put the gear down and scraped the engine nacelles on the runway. And this was just released not too long ago, a um, security camera video showing the event. And so once again, I'll be... Excuse me. Bless you, Liz. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Let's see here. Application window and... Now, um, because uh, Steph is the crew member that is expert in uh, many, many languages, she's going to translate <laughs> to us <laughs> what is what is happening in this video that we're going to watch. Oh, you know what? I was going to set this up at a different place here uh, where it gets zoomed in a little bit more. Here we go. Okay. Take it away, Steph.
4: Like you were saying, uh, so, so tonight for to dinner, I was planning uh, to make <laughs> some <laughs> spaghetti, uh,
2: and
3: Very clever of family, you not to say some kind of, of, some kind of an Indian dish. <laughs> just in case <laughs> we somebody... An Italian, a spaghetti, yes. Rick just,
6: just landed,
3: FYI. Pardon me. Oh, okay. Thank you. Rick uh, Liz. Just landed. Okay. I thought you were referring to the video, Liz, and you were saying yes. that Nick just landed. Yes. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> but she's saying that Rick just landed. So Rick. okay, so that's a that's a, an update on on Rick's progress. Um, it
6: didn't look like
3: that. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I've seen Nick's landings in an A340, and I'm pretty sure it didn't look anything like this. <laughs> He, you're muted nick you're muted
5: damn you mean all those quips i was making yeah i'm just gone by the ball Well, i could damn. tell you
3: were tickling yourself uh you know, with whatever you were saying <laughs> <laughs> we were not privy to it anyway so looking at this thing scraping you can clearly see sparks just flying from the uh, engine nacelles it must have made a huge noise uh, even, you know, up there in the cockpit, you know, hearing those engines scraping the runway. And then it's kind of almost porpoising along um, as it, uh, you know, as it's dragging those nacelles on the runway. And then the idea that they could just add power and fly away and let's give this a try and this time let's put the gear down. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, thinking, oh, those, this is a terrible sound. I think we forgot to put the gear down and, okay, let's just get this thing stopped if we can on the runway and put the take brakes our on put the brakes on yeah the brakes <laughs> they, they did right after the brakes the brakes were not working try the effective.
5: parking brake brakes were <laughs> ineffective <laughs>
3: ineffective <laughs> um but yeah that was um yeah you need to watch the uh watch the video folks or, or at least look in the show notes and watch the security camera video of that i, I thought it was pretty pretty amazing actually to see that happening Sad. Yeah, and sad, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's why we have that in our news folder, because it was just new video that I think just came out. Um, Let's go on to something that's a little bit more positive. What do you say? And
4: Mm
3: -hmm. item G, First Nations Trio. Oh, yeah, Liz is leaving now, so she's not going to be able to help me at all with any of these Canadian words and stuff in here. Um,
4: Her timing is uh, Perfect,
3: yes. Uh, first Nations trio is first all woman, women training crew for Indigenous flight school, and this is from uh, CBC News. For the first time an in Indigenous flight program or in an Indigenous flight program's history, the student instructor and examiner are all First Nations women. When I found out that the chief flight instructor was a woman, I was so excited because the FNTI, I've never known, until FNTI, I've never known another female pilot, said Rainbow Ford. When I was gearing up for the flight test and got thinking about it, I was so excited about the fact that both my instructor and my flight examiner were female and indigenous. That just blew my mind. FNTI is an indigenous owned and government Post-Secondary Institute, located in Tyandaga, Mohawk Territory in Ontario, that delivers programs for indigenous people across Canada. Liz is back, by the way, so she helped me with that one. Its First Peoples Aviation Technology Program has been around since 1990. Yeah, let's see, Ford grew up in Lytton, First Nation? Yeah. Yep. Okay, oh, ding, ding, got it. About 155 kilometers northeast of Vancouver. You know, there are people that actually, the only reason why they listen to the Airline Pilot Guy show is to hear me try to pronounce different city names and uh, country names.
5: Well, that's the only reason I'm here.
3: (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, I'm glad I'm I'm coming through for you then. Um, Yeah, great job. Anyway, let's see. So Ford grew up in the uh, Lytton First Nation uh, I would see them see them flying I just knew that flying is what I wanted to do she said after high school ford went to flight school in california but after a year being away from home she decided not to continue 13 years later she was unhappy and wanted to get back on track to pursuing her dream of becoming a pilot she applied to fnti's aviation program and was accepted the program is 3 years long and well it's a long program and the curriculum covers flight training navigation radio operations and flight and simulator training as well as private and commercial license requirements. At the beginning of December, she was recommended by her flight instructor for her commercial flight pilot flight test. It was a lot different back then, she said. Um, so, Joanne tabadung from... Mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mohawk Territory <laughs> Sincere
4: <laughs> apologies to you, Joanne For all and the First
3: Nations people up there yeah. in Canada What? Yeah. Where would this be in the Mohawk Territory? Is that up near Ontario somewhere? Oh yeah, Miss. she grew yeah, up in it's, it's um,
6: southwest of, southwest Mississauga
3: Southwest of Toronto, near Brantford Oh yeah, I remember it now, near Brantford I used to drive by there all the time right. when I was you a kid <laughs> Mississauga, is that how you say that? uh, Miss Ontario Saga, yeah. and yeah. her mother worked for air Canada. She said she always wanted to be a pilot, uh, in high school. She wasn't encouraged to pursue a career in aviation. She was in her early twenties when 30 years ago, she took the same program that Ford's in. Now at the time was the only female student in her class. Uh, anyway, good article about this. Uh, uh the, you know, the three women, uh, all from the, uh, uh indigenous first nations, yeah. first nation uh together and uh a lot of a lot of verse there i guess very good
4: yeah feel good story for sure
3: yeah i like it and we have some photos that we're showing on the video and then of course we'll have links to these in the show notes as well and uh they look like they're very happy people and uh look like they're having a lot of fun
5: i love the logo on the back of that airplane i wonder what it's supposed to be is it Reminiscent of... Uh, a pine tree. A pine
6: tree
5: I think uh, Liz thinks it looks like a rocks. pine tree, maybe? Oh, could be. Uh...
6: Bent over by the wind. Bent over by the wind. I
3: don't know. That's what Liz thinks it is. And she's from Canada, so she's an expert on these things.
5: Yeah. Okay. Is that Canada, a squirrel on the top, Liz?
3: And uh, it's a squirrel bird. <laughs> <laughs> a
5: flying a squirrel? squirrel? I think I've seen one of those. <laughs> a
3: flying squirrel bird. <laughs> And, you know, we don't see those a lot here in the U.S., but they're all over the place up there in Canada.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough,
3: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's uh, zoom out of here uh, over to uh, across the pond. Another feel-good. To uh, your side of the uh, pond, Nick, and another feel-good story. Uh, Captain Tom, 100 years old, jets off to Barbados with a free flight from British Airways. Uh, Sir our Captain Sir Tom Moore and his family have jetted off to Barbados after British Airways offered him free flight. The centenarian smiled as he sat in a plane seat emblazoned with his name and a picture shared to his official Twitter page as he revealed he has ticked an item off his bucket list. Sir Tom raised millions for the NHS at the height of the coronavirus pandemic by walking laps of his garden. Wow.
4: Oh, I remember that. Actually, that made the news.
3: So is that is that how he oh, became yeah. uh, knighted because of this?
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. Oh, your, yeah. Well, uh, raising all the millions of.
3: How guys, do you raise millions yeah. of I mean, dollars so. walking around your garden? Wow, yeah, that's he impressive. Decided Social he was media.
5: Do a hundred laps of his garden, and uh, the sponsorship uh, just kept on growing and growing and growing as he headed towards uh, this hundred laps because he was he's
3: you know he's not
5: a young man, and uh, it just went mad and. People just threw money at it. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
3: Wow. He was named GQ Magazine's Inspiration of the Year 2020. And uh, so we have some photos of him in his uh, British Airways plane seat. And that's a nice seat. <laughs> um, and also a, a nice first shot class, of him. Pardon?
5: I said first class, I presume.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a pretty fancy first class seat. I'd say.
5: They've even got him a special uh, anti uh, um with his name on it. Have you seen that? A little
6: doily mm-hmm. thing where you put your head on.
3: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think Liz, looking at my expression, thought Jeff has no idea what he just said.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, it's the little doily thing that uh, they put on the seat uh, b- b- behind your head to keep all the air, hair gel, the oil I guess. The oil from your hair. <laughs> the oil Yeah, all the brill cream. All the brill cream, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he has a pretty decent head of hair for a man 100 years old, I'd say.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He certainly does. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. And he's sporting a mustache oh, that kind of, of puts uh, mine to shame, it. really. <laughs> I
5: love the picture well, of him you know, uh, on got the cover a few of years to, It looks great. To yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah, great pictures there. Another feel-good story. And, wow, what a, what a great uh, – oh, there's a very nice shot of uh, the queen – Um Looks like she's not happy with him because she's like taking a sword and like whacking his left shoulder. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, that's the knighting uh, ceremony. Never mind. <laughs> Windsor Castle.
5: That's right. Yeah.
3: Oh, very cool. All right. Well, actually, have-
5: they're, they're a similar height. Have you noticed that?
3: Yeah, I did notice Pretty that. Pretty close. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: That is, uh, that's amazing. Well, that's another feel good story. Thank you, Liz, for putting that in our news. And, uh, finally so this is an interesting one um, a first oh I get it uh, another segue first AT42 so is, are they named because of First um, uh, First Nations Liz?
6: I believe so I yeah. think it's, it's owned by yeah a,
3: a and you know what I'd like first to do I'd, I'd like to uh, have Steph read this particular one because I want to hear her <laughs> pronunciation of these uh, these uh, townships awesome. <laughs> You're welcome.
4: Uh, a, so this is from, uh, let's see, this is from um, uh, AV Harold. AV Harold, uh, uh, yep. yeah. So this is an incident, a first air avion de transport regional, Ooh. ATR 42 300 registration, Charlie Golf, Sierra, Romeo, Romeo, performing flight 7 Foxtrot 5604 from Akaluit to...
3: Pagnerton, yeah. close enough. tongue, she said, it, yeah. Okay. What's uh, what's N-U stand for? Um, uh,
5: Near enough. Oh no, 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 that would be uh, uh, Nunavut.
3: N- e actually, I think we talked about uh, we we talked yeah, about on the last, last episode. Week? Nunavut.
4: Yeah, Nunavut. Yeah. Ah, dang. Okay.
3: And the only reason why I remembered that was because Liz is in my ear right now, telling me what that is. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I had a couple options there.
3: Yeah. Like, no, it's not, no, not North that. Uganda.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it was. In yeah. Canada. <laughs> uh, was en route at flight level 190 when the crew inquired with Flight Information Service about the current weather at the destination. However, received the weather of uh, Puvernitik. Sure. Instead of uh, tongue In error.
3: It was not even uh, the, the same continued. province.
4: No, that was in Quebec. Yeah. I know QC. Got that one. Ding. Ding. Um, so, anyway, the crew continued thing. to Pag-Nir-Tug. Ah, Peg yeah, I found it. However, during the descent, received a ground <laughs> proximity warning. The crew established contact with Unicom uh, at Pag-Nir-Tug. about 20, 20 nautical miles out, received the correct weather data, and continued for a safe landing. Canada's Transportation Safety Board reported Flight Information Service accidentally reported the weather data of charlie yankee papa x-ray instead of charlie yankee x-ray papa so they had a little uh, dyslexia moment there oopsies uh, which provided a different altimeter setting in the Ah. descent the crew received a terrain proximity warning as there were vfr conditions there was no real risk of a collision with the terrain. the crew received the correct altimeter setting from unicom about 20 nautical miles out and continued for a safe landing
5: I was trying to work out how on earth uh, the wrong weather set off the ground proximity warrior. <laughs> so warning apparently that. they got their what? altimeter
4: setting from the flight information service, but they received well, that, that the incorrect. But they're
5: flying at the wrong damn height.
3: Must have been a very, very significant difference in the altimeter difference. setting. I thought they were, and yeah. Thankfully, exactly. they weren't IFR IMC, and this could have been a mm. very bad situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I guess. Well, I'm not sure the crew could have done anything about this. Um, it was just the Flight Information Service people that screwed up.
4: I guess right? they're unable to receive. there There isn't a uh, weather broadcast of any type. Um, Apparently. Yeah. Like an ASOS or an AWOS or That was the only yeah. way they could get that information.
5: It does seem well, like. Well, the Flight Information Service is often where you go to, to get exactly that information, mm-hmm. if there's yeah. no VolMet or uh, uh, other source.
3: Ooh, keep, that, keep that thought in mind, the VolMet.
5: Yes, I know.
3: <laughs> okay. Another this is a a show full of segues.
6: Exactly.
3: But we're not gonna segue to that yet because
5: I've always wanted to have a go on one of those. It's they a like great segue? Song.
3: Yeah. I've yeah. actually um, been on a segue for a very short period of time. At uh, Disney World. Uh, no, it was Epcot Center.
4: Um, Before he fell off of it. I yes. was going to say, no, is your leg I did not fall that? off
3: of it. I actually did a pretty good job. Uh, they only let you take it for a certain... It was inside of a building, so, you know, there was no mm. harm. Are you
6: type-rated on it now? I'm not type-rating in
3: it. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't run over any kids or anything. Okay. Just a small animal. Hey, uh, <laughs> Neil an Landmark lefty. has
4: some, some information to clarify what we were talking about earlier, about that FNTI logo. Yeah is he says it's the great tree of peace. The eagle on top represents watchfulness, farsightedness, and vigilance. The war club underneath represents the uh, burial of weapons and promotes peace and union. So there you
5: go.
3: Oh, wow. right. Okay. Neil, how did you know that? Well, good, I'm going to yeah. guess. Google. Google. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we appreciate you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Neil. The link is there about, about us page. There you
3: go. Oh, very cool. Thank you, Neil. And if we had done, you know, even a, uh, in a, a, a min- minor amount of um, research, like the bare minimum, we would have known that. We might have known that. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's just not doing a good job. Okay, uh, I, I'm not either. All right, with that, I think now it would be time for us to do this. You want to? You want to get to know us? Well, we have a segment just for you getting to like us getting to hope you like us too i know i screwed that up sorry (laughs) let's do another take Nah, forget it all right um so it's been exactly a week i believe since we recorded our last episode and uh, let's see did we oh yeah we talked about it uh nick and i had done the um the uh, PTUK christmas special i think uh, the day before we recorded the last show so Mm -hmm. that wasn't something that we did in between the last show and now um i don't believe it's been published yet has it i don't know
4: i don't think so i forget when
6: uh... not yet i think on christmas day
3: christmas day okay there you go i'm going to be interested to 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 watch it because i have no idea how they could possibly edit the thing to make it even seem (laughs) even barely coherent but uh anyway um i will
4: watch it for the incoherentness
3: <laughs> yes you'll you'll be right at home Steph. <laughs> hanging around hanging around me for as long as you have um <laughs> let's see uh, so steph why don't we go ahead hmm. and see what you have been doing
4: so more of the same. This year's been kind of on repeat for me, flying at the weekend, back out in the caravan again, uh, got signed off on that. So now just waiting for the insurance seal of approval, um, which is all well and good, but um, there's going to be a few weeks where we're not, they're not open or operating over the winter. So I think I'll need a little refresher course when the spring comes around. But that was a lot of fun, really yeah. good. Days are definitely short, not a ton of flying to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if we get any in this weekend. Before the season ends. Excellent. hmm Other uh, than that, just,
5: um, yeah, the work. <laughs>
3: work. Work, 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 work. More work, <laughs> work, work, work. work, work,
5: work. <laughs> you actually have a season. Uh, for skydiving?
4: Yeah. Well, in the past, no. But historically, kind of the six weeks between the end of December through January into the first of February don't produce very many good jumping days. There's just a lot of low... Ceilings and cold weather, and not many people come out. And this year, with COVID and everything else, it just didn't make a lot of sense. So, gotcha.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Uh, I have not really been doing that much since the last episode either. I did fly a trip though. Um, my my foot has been improving, and so I was able to walk through an airport terminal without hobbling about. And uh, flew from Atlanta to uh, somewhere, Richmond, Virginia, the state capital uh, of Virginia. And then back to Atlanta. And then uh, we deadheaded to Savannah. That was our first day. And uh, that was a nice, nice weather and all that. Uh, The next day we went from Savannah early in the morning to Atlanta, hung around there for about three hours and then uh, flew up to. Bradley International, Windsor Locks, Connecticut, uh, Hartford, Connecticut, Springfield, Mass. And uh, if you are watching while we're recording this live, you're, and maybe even watching from an area in the northeastern United States, you know that they had a little weather event. I guess the big, the first kind of sort of big one for the for the season. A little bit of snow and ice and that kind of thing. I don't think it's quite as bad as they thought it was going to be. But um, I, you know, was looking at my trip and looking at hearing all these news reports about the, the snowy weather coming and everything else. I thought, great. Did it
6: look like Nick's background
3: there? that, uh, yeah, it uh, Liz is saying, did it look like Nick's <laughs> licks Did it look like Nick's background there on the, uh, video? Um, <laughs> Nick has a, a, screen, not a screensaver, a, a green screen behind him and, uh, big giant snowflakes kind of hitting him in the back of his head and deflecting off. And it's just, uh, Really pretty picture. Anyway, yeah, it looked a lot like that, actually. Um, But uh, the flight that we were supposed to fly earlier this morning uh, was was delayed a bit because the airplane uh, that was supposed to be used for that flight this morning had not made it in to Bradley International last night. I didn't really think it would. And so that meant I got a couple of extra hours of sleep, about three hours of of sleep uh, this morning. That was nice. And the bonus also is that... The original schedule was for us to fly that early flight to Atlanta and then fly down to Fort Walton Beach, Eglin Air Force Base, Mm -hmm. and then back to Atlanta. And uh, because we were delayed, they got somebody else to do that; those two flights. So I got. uh,
6: So we were able to start the show on time. Oh no, we weren't.
3: Yeah, Liz says, and so we were able to start the show on time. Oh no, never mind, we weren't. (laughs) But
4: well, why would we change? What we normally do just because we were all here.
3: Exactly. On time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I got home probably a half an hour or so earlier than I had planned. And um, I'm glad I had that extra half hour because it there were some things here, even though I thought I was going to be able to get everything set up before I left on my trip on uh, Tuesday. I, I guess I didn't do everything. I was like, oh, shoot. I forgot about the lights. I, I had to go in the other room and get the lights and set them up and everything else. So. Anyway. Mark we Van
6: Ram is making a suggestion there, Jeff.
3: In the, oh, okay. Mark Van Ram says, Jeff, lose the tie and relax. I don't want to lose the tie. I like this tie. I lose too many things. But, okay, let me do this. This is just for you, Mark. Okay, I'm just going to loosen it up. Da-da,
6: da-da, da-da, Liz,
3: stop da-da. it. <laughs> okay. Um. What else? Yeah, so I, I flew a trip. And did some singing over the weekend and don't think I had any um, meetups that I can recall. So um, the first officer I was with was a really nice guy. I had some really good discussions. I think we um, came up with some solutions for all the uh, problems uh, plaguing our uh, civilization. So we'll just have to see how to implement these things. Um, what else? Oh, I'm meant to or forgot to mention this. The trip that I was on that we flew up to Midway um, a few weeks back, um, the I believe it was that trip, I got a message from a an ACME dispatcher, and uh, the message was, you know, hey, Captain Jeff, you know, love the show, blah, 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 and um, he was the dispatcher for our flight, and I don't remember which one it was, but I printed that out and I meant to keep it and you know have it handy so that I could mention your name and I do not remember your name and that piece of paper um, disappeared so if you would uh, send me some or send us some email to feedback at com and introduce yourself to us and so that everybody else can know who you are and uh, thought that I thought that would be kind of fun so I do apologize for losing the piece of paper and not remembering your name, but there you go. That was the same trip the, the the air traffic controller um, approach control said, is this Captain Jeff? And my first officer is going, like, what? How does he know these people?
6: How famous
3: yeah, is he? Yeah. I'm saying I, I said to him, trust me, this does not happen all the time. It's just very rarely that this happens. I'm not sure he believed me, but Mm-mm. it's true. You're I, just too modest. No, I mean, and really, it doesn't... People are coming up to you all the time. Not anymore, no. In they, airports, on the street. They run yeah. away, actually, when they see me now, especially the little, <laughs> the little kids. Little children do. <laughs> the little <yeah>. children do. <laughs> and, and farm animals. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah, um, that's all I have. So, Nick, I know you have been a busy uh, lecturer, um, presenter, since the last episode. Tell us about that. Uh,
5: absolutely. The uh, The talk last night uh, for a charity, the uh, Lions uh, International uh, Club charity, um, well, it seemed to go down very well. Uh, had about 58 uh, Zoom attendees. Um, and uh, so that hopefully will have made them a, a, over 500 pounds, which um, is going to be great. Anything I can do to help out... Charity, as I always think, is worthwhile. Uh, so it was. It was fun doing it, and uh, my thanks to you for the um, extra special equipment that I was able to use to um, uh, appropriately move myself around the screen. Oh, that! <laughs> oh, look! And uh, play uh, the um, presentation, uh, PowerPoint presentation, in the background, just like the. Uh, uh, green screen uh, background I've got on now, uh, so it was uh, it was really good. Oh, bye bye.
3: Oh, you know I'm always on. reluctant to give stuff like this to Nick. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but I, I am extremely <laughs> well equipped now with uh, all yeah, sorts that's of. That's what she gear. said. <laughs> yeah. I mean
4: don't, you don't need to brag about it or anything. Gosh.
5: Absolutely. <laughs> But along with the, uh, the really fancy <laughs> interface that uh, I needed to get everything sorted out that Jeff had kicking around in the back of his cupboard and decided that he was going to send my way. So really appreciate that. Yeah, I got an, a nice little Christmas, early Christmas present. Look at that, how sweet is that? A little tartan uh, uh, Santa's boot uh, inside uh, some um, unusual, certainly for us British um uh, candies uh so a reese uh, peanut butter uh, cup reeses uh got some of those uh so actually i quite like peanut butter so peanut butter and chocolate uh, you're not ideal for a diabetic but uh, that's fine um and uh, a really nice uh, crew bag tag uh apg crew bag tag i might point out and What's that, what's that you That's,
3: that's the uh, card that he sent with all those. You know, oh, I, brilliant. I, I just am now realizing that we we talked about this offline, but I don't think we talked about it on the last show, did we? Oh, no. okay. Okay.
5: Well, I, well, it's a good time to do it. There's yeah, a it is. Perfect time. And all that is from Mike Cochran, uh, who makes these. Um, you know, as part of a company called uh, Cool Crew. So, uh, it spelled with a K. K for he doesn't call, make them K for crew.
3: he has nothing to do with the company
5: he, doesn't he oh no. what a shame oh i thought it was his company i thought we were giving him a plug
3: no, no he is no, uh right, he flies I a that plug he, fl- back. he flies a jet I, and uh get that plug he flies a uh life uh like life flight <laughs> kind of uh services um he you, uh, at one point uh, he's been um a part of our big part of our community for for -hmm. several years and when he first uh joined us he was a helicopter pilot for a police department in florida and then he uh went off to uh do this uh type of flying with a life flight and such and uh he also if you'll remember at times you'll see us uh using the um yeti uh what do you call those um Tumblers. The tumblers, yeah, the tumble, the, the insulated tumblers. Oh, I use that Nabla all the Yeti. time.
5: Absolutely brilliant.
3: Yep, he was the one that uh, got those for us, and uh, so this, yeah, this year, so that's terribly generous. Oh, he is a very, very wonderful Absolutely. person.
5: Anyway, I really like my APG crew tag, and uh, it's got all my information on the back. I'm crew number four, uh, so uh, I still feel quite to the top. I'm not chief pilot yet. But, uh, you
4: know. Working your way up that seniority yeah, list.
5: <laughs> Climbing the slippery pole, uh, hoping that uh, he'll the, the chief pilot will die soon. It'll get me one closer to the top. <laughs> Is he talking about me? Um, I think so.
3: <laughs> Dang.
5: Anyway, Rude. thanks very much indeed. <laughs> After uh, I gave uh, you so all, those all those nice things. Came <laughs> in this, all this lot came in uh, a package that Jeff sent me, uh, including this very fancy interface down there, which is just superb. Um, and in addition, now this is slightly embarrassing, it's a lovely book, a first edition, would you believe, of Flying Stories uh, by a guy called uh, Guy Gilpatrick's Patrick's, uh, and I'm lo- really looking forward to digging into this. Um, it's it's a reasonably uh, uh, historic uh, production, and I'm just trying to find the chapters here because I think it's rather interesting to uh, see the coverage. Uh, ah, come on, where's the uh, flying stories, Gil? Guy Gilpatrick, flying stories. Uh, copyright nineteen forty six. And
3: here we go. So um yeah, also uh, of
5: eras of aviation. Uh, yes, I will, if uh, will remind me again. Then. Uh one chapter i or well, one story I can't wait to uh look at is uh the great A whiskerino. So it's uh I don't know whether it's uh whiskers or whiskey, but that'll be a good one. Uh, the Wing Walker, the American Bar, The Long Grind. That's uh, <laughs> That's, mm. that's a bit risque. Um, the flying Yahoo, um, bird's eye view, uh, the devil-headed. The south.
4: flying Yahoo. That's a, a chapter about us.
3: <laughs> Me specifically. I saw the search engine. Yahoo. One of
5: the others. Anyway, um, embarrassingly, uh, the kind of person who sent this didn't give a, any reminders as to where it's come from. So, if you were the very kind person that sent this to jeff and eventually it's got to me then please remind us because uh, i'd very much like to give you a shout out on the show and personally thank you indeed because this sort of thing is very precious and uh, i shall uh, treasure it and um, enjoy reading it yeah so it came from a uh,
3: it looks like a very small kind of boutique uh, kind of uh, maybe a mom and pop style old used bookstore in i think orange county california southern california i believe hmm. and uh yeah and i asked nick about it and he goes i don't know who would have sent that and and they really didn't put a note in there to let us know really who it came from and and why they sent it so uh yeah so as uh, we said uh please please uh, contact us and let us know so we can It might
5: well be that that some kind person did say, "Oh, I'm going to send something your way," Mm -hmm. and uh, I I just forgotten about it since it was probably a little while ago. Yeah,
3: that's probably likely. Uh,
5: Yeah, yeah, Uh, I I forget all sorts of things. So my apologies. Yeah,
3: I I don't. No wish to offend. I don't even know who this guy is talking right now. So, and where I am. (laughs) Who am I? Yeah.
2: What?
3: (laughs) Where where am I? All I know that I'm in a very nice cabin with um, a nice fire in the background, and it's snowing outside. Uh,
4: Maybe a nice drink later in the hot tub, and yeah.
3: He, oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds great. Here's good. the uh, one that uh, I received. It says uh, "crew" on the side, just as Nick's does. On the back side, it says "crew number one," and uh, oh, base KAT. Yeah, yet? I'm yeah. number one. And uh, anyway, so I can't wait to put this on my bag. He gave. That means two of
5: us. Steph's deputy chief.
3: Mm, I'm yep. number two. Yeah, show us yours. Yeah. I mean your are guy.
5: Rick must be head of training. I'm I'm the i the um. Seems uh, vaguely inappropriate. Yes. I'm the anybody. Here, the no. doesn't have a job.
3: Hey, Steph, if you show yours, I'll show you mine right here. Okay. Oh boy. Um, I'll send those to you at some point in the near future, Steph. And uh, yeah, no Rick worries. As well. um, and surely we'll little, uh, meet up at some point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so thank you very much, Michael. Oh, he sent this very nice Christmas card. It says, Merry, 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 M-E-R-R-Y, not M-A-R-Y. Christmas wishes just for you and the crew. Well, that was a crazy year. Hope the crew's holidays are full of health, joy, and all the things you wish for. I wish for a better new year. Man, you all have essential, uh, no, may you all have essential Socially distanced, distanced, unprecedented, happy and healthy holidays and a Merry Christmas. Thanks for all you do, Mike. So, Mike, very wow. thoughtful. Thanks, Thank Mike. you so much.
4: Same same. Yeah. right back to you. Yes. Kind of Be good. safe and have happy holidays.
3: All right. So, again, um, Nick has his and uh, I have mine. So I'll, I'll get those uh, sent off to everybody else in the crew.
5: I think it's lovely that you got mine to me, uh, even though I'm like 3,000 miles away and Steph just up the road and she hasn't got to us yet.
4: Yeah. What the heck? I'm like 300 miles away.
5: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, thank you for That's pointing that out. No, I do appreciate that.
4: that. <laughs> I think it's because I did say, uh, you know, well, just hang on to it, and we'll probably actually meet up in person at some point.
3: That so. and also because I knew I was sending them that mixer uh, that he Correct. needed, so yeah. I just threw all stuck all that Which stuff works in the box. Beautifully, thank you. And Great, mm-hmm. sounds good. Um, oh, um, Nick, we meant to uh, acknowledge the um, wonderful voiceover artist Greg Willets uh, from last episode's uh, Plain Tale, and uh, we forgot uh, to uh, mention him on. The last show, and I know that we did something at the very end, and I for forgot to uh, put that in the uh, actual podcast. So,
5: oh, absolutely, go. yeah. Greg's help out, helped me out on a lot of uh, plain tales uh, because my American accent is diabolical. Uh, so when I'm desperate, I uh, fire it off. Accent. And uh, Greg's most amazing guy because um, he has a fantastic um vocabulary and uh, wonderful pronunciation and uh, a great um series of accents he can put on and he has done a fabulous job uh, so i really appreciate it Greg. thanks so much dude great will dot uh, com is that right
3: i believe so yeah he sure. he's, uh, he, uh, he and his wife do a, a wonderful podcast and uh, we'll put links to all that great stuff in the show notes he is a, an amazing man and a, a good friend and I love him. Not in a romantic okay. way, just to be clear.
5: Greg, GregWillits.com. <laughs> speaker, author, et cetera. I'm just going to leave that alone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, you know, a, a, what is it called? It's a bromance platonic. kind of way. Bromance, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So I'm not going to say anything else because I'm sure that I'm going to get in trouble. Um, and I won't say what Liz said after you said that you have a diabolical American accent. Well, now I will. She said just the American accent.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, my Canadian accent is just about as bad.
3: <laughs> okay. I think now it's time for me to hit a bumper, music bumper here. Let's see. Where is it? Here we go. It's time for the coffee fund. Johnny, how
0: much more coffee?
2: So thanks.
3: I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Oops. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup a cup, a cup, a cup a cup. All right? the coffee fund is your way to support our show our endeavors financially only if you have the financial resources to do so so if you need that money to put a roof over your head or clothes on your bod or food in your mouths uh, or most importantly if you need it to go fly an airplane and take flying lessons and all that kind of stuff well then we don't want your stinking money all right but if you have some extra coins laying around, uh, why don't you consider joining the Coffee Fund cadre. And you can do that by heading over to AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee. And since the last episode, we have a contributor via the Coffee Fund classic method, Mazzuz Karim. And you'll note that he also was in last episode's acknowledgement of contributors. And uh, so he did, he did a double contribution this month. So thank you, Mazuts. And we also have something called Patreon. You can become a patron of the show. And since the last episode, we have a new patron, at least an executive level, perhaps even a senior executive patron. We're still working that out. And his um, nom de whatever they, how do you say that Uh, nom de plume plume. Uh, is Airbus driver. So I'm suspecting that he. So it's Rick. Flies there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Liz says it's probably Rick. <laughs> Rick, you didn't have to sign up to be a patron. Uh, you can, you know, being a guest on the not guest, a co-host uh, on the show is enough. But no, it's, it's a not name Rick. We'd never suspect. Yes, that's true. Anyway, uh, so if you want to join this great go- group of folks, uh, head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee. And as we like to say, you'll be glad you did, and we will too. Honest.
1: Captain, incoming message.
3: Let's start off with this first item in the feedback uh, notebook, and it's from Robert uh, up in Marietta, Georgia. Marietta, Georgia, uh, just just up there near the the Big Chicken. Um. He said, Happy Holidays, crew. Not sure if you've seen these yearly advertisements, but they're adorable. Apparently, they took a break, but they're still worth a few minutes to watch. Stay safe. And he sent us a couple of uh, links to something that I've never heard of. I'm sure that Nick has, though. Uh, they're called the the Christmas Bears, I think. Um Heathrow Christmas Heathrow Christmas don't ask me, Jeff,
5: bears. I, I think it's some uh, British Airways advert. Heathrow.
3: Oh. Well, well, it's it's for the Heathrow Airport, days, I think.
5: They're...
3: It says Heathrow oh, Airport Bears. Yeah, So oh, it's who, they, whoever they... operates out of there, including uh, your—
5: I've never seen them. I, hmm. I ran over some bears once, but <laughs> mm. uh, I don't know.
3: Yeah, they, that's not part of their advertisement, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they didn't have any for this year. And the couple of links that he uh, sent um, show the uh, ad campaigns for, I think it was last year, maybe even the year before. So we'll have they're those. Are, they're
5: are pretty cute. They
3: oh, pretty they're cute. very cute. Um, what's the name of the, the the cute little animated bear that. Uh,
6: Paddington Bear.
3: Paddington. Paddington. Yeah, Paddington, kind of bear. Remind me yes. of
5: Paddington Bear. And his marmalade sandwiches.
4: He
6: ate
5: marmalade he sandwiches.
3: Peru. I thought you said. Oh, I and don't his, know. And his mom laid sand sandwiches. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what?
4: Uh, initially, I also heard, and his mom made sandwiches, and I was like, okay, marmalade good. sandwiches. It's, it's not yeah. just no, me. I definitely heard very similar to. You I was heard. thinking, what
3: the heck did you just say? <laughs> oh, I now I get it. Marmalade. <laughs> These crazy Brits. All right, yeah. thank you, Robert. <laughs> Uh I think that oh yeah he also sent in that uh that photo from the last episode of the um <laughs> the new Airbus 330
6: the Frankenstein Yeah the
3: you know the the 747 <laughs> the, the one that looked like three, a 747 yeah. 330
2: the first flight n- uh, first flight uh, new Airbus. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, have not seen that one <laughs> have not seen that one in the uh in the wild yet but we're keeping our eyes open Mhm A lot of plane spotters that listen to the show, so perhaps they can pipe in when they see one. Um, Mm -hmm. Anywho.
4: I think the journalists will be the first to identify. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, They'll nail it. Oh, man. All right. Texas. Texas. I do this every darn time. I want to say Texas. Texas and Leshock uh, says, greetings, Captain Jeff and APG crew. Got some news that will probably make Miami Rick happy. With all the 747s disappearing from the skies, British Airways has decided that the three retro 747-400s will be preserved. CIVB, Charlie India, Victor Bravo, sporting the 70s Negus livery? Is that how you say that, Nick? Uh, Yeah,
5: I think so. I'm not quite sure which one that refers to. They're Uh they're the opposition. We never used to Uh, talk to them.
3: Oh, Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't care. Will be preserved at Cotswold Airport, BYGC, painted in BOAC cover, colors. Is going to Bro. Bro Tathan. <laughs> well, uh, help, please. Help. Bro.
5: Uh, bro Tathan. Bro Tathan
3: Airfield. Oh, mm-hmm. you've not heard of it either, have you? Uh, no? B, BNLY wearing the iconic Landor livery. Will be at the Dunsfold Aerodrome. In addition, I'm
5: Dunsfold. I know it's uh, where they used to build the Harriers, a uh, British aerospace. Oh. or uh, Hawkers used to have a, uh, a factory there, and okay. uh, uh, Top Gear, the TV uh, mm-hmm. car mm, show, It's okay. uh, yep. always filmed on the airfield there. That's right. Be. That's why. Oh, I is
3: that it. the one that has the uh, seven forty-seven that has the just two engines? Double engines. engines. Yeah, yeah or oh, the yeah, double that's engines. Right. That's right. So yeah, yeah. the two. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um,
5: and uh, they the, the new aircraft they're sending there is also going to be uh, in films and things, so that'll be quite good.
3: Neat. Uh, in addition, uh, Charlie India Victor Whiskey, which is in the current livery, has already been at Dunsfold since October. Reacting to a discussion you had in APG 450, specifically the 777F Rick was so familiar with, it got me wondering how familiar you got with the individual aircraft in your fleets. For Jeff, probably not the 717, since you're rather new to it. But with the Mad Dogs, I'm sure you got to fly most, if not all, of the aircraft in that fleet in the time you were there. Did you get to the point where, that you could tell individual aircraft apart? Did you recognize the registry numbers, or was it something else? Uh, did you have favorites to fly, and were there some that you dreaded flying because they always had problems with them? Uh, the first question isn't really for Nick, since Virgin's planes are actually named, so it's pretty easy to tell them apart. I think he actually mentioned one of them, Bubbles, by name. Anyway, hope you all keep safe as we head into the Christmas season. May you dodge any blizzards this year. Eh, not doing Too so late. well on that in that respect. <laughs> uh, this is the Texas and Lashock signing off, and so um, uh, in my case. Uh, Texas um, the uh, there were there were certain number you know cause I, we didn't have names as uh, the virgin fleet had uh, but um, you know you'd recognize um, like ship 926 and ship 911 911 of course because when you looked at it you went ooh I don't know if I want to fly this one <laughs> um, but uh you know but uh, honestly they were almost identical i mean there were there were times that one airplane might fly a little bit better than another, but I never really made a mental note as to which ship number it was. You know, honestly, uh, but I'm pretty sure you're right that I I probably did fly every one of them at least a couple of times. Um, oh, speaking of the seven one seven, he said, you know, probably not paying attention that much to individual aircraft, but remember the story I told you about the. Um, 717 that had the weir- really weird stuff going on with the FMS. I, mm, have, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I
5: yeah.
3: have made a mental note of 9505. <laughs> and guess what airplane I flew back from Bradley today? Same one. Yeah. I, th- I saw that Didn't one. have the same oh, issue with the no. FMS? No. It looked like every other FMS box on the 717. It. So, yeah, uh, they obviously fixed it. Must have
5: done <laughs> a reload or something. Did yeah, they.
4: Yeah, they just turned it off, turned it back on again.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Control Alt Delete. I think that I wasn't holding my mouth no. exactly right when I did that. <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, so they they got that thing fixed, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. How about you, Nick? Are there any ones in particular that um, that you liked more than the other?
5: Well, when we got the. Um Berlin bombers, uh, the A330s, the Dash 200s that we uh, acquired from uh, the defunct Air Berlin, um, they were pretty ropey, so didn't really like any of those. They were they're not really up to the same equipment standard uh, as the rest of uh, our airbuses. But um, no... Um, all they all flew beautifully uh there really wasn't any way to tell them apart and i guess that's part uh, of the characteristics of uh, an aircraft that is uh, truly fly by wire uh you know uh Mm -hmm. the great thing is it it will have no individual foibles you won't have to uh, try and remember that it crabs or does this or um you know has this a strange thing that it uh it tends to do uh some of them as they got a bit old used to get uh a little half repeated snags so there were a few that uh you know you always uh, there was one of our aircraft that always seemed to throw flat problems up um mm-hmm. but no generally speaking uh certainly when they were newer they were all identical and lovely um some of them were in slightly different fits and uh, color schemes uh But that was just you know the way the company was because it took some time sometimes for the new paint jobs to get through the entire fleet. Um, Hmm. Not ready.
4: Not like our fleet where it's three completely different aircraft and the (laughs) trick is to fly all three of them in one day.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) that must be difficult to do, Steph. I mean, they're they're not even sometimes not like they're not even they're not even the same completely different different aircraft. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no.
4: A twin otter and a caravan and a Cessna 182. It's only happened once where I've actually flown all three.
3: Does it ever catch you off, you know, off guard at all?
4: Um, No, you just take a minute and go, okay, this is the aircraft we're in. Here's what we're doing. Okay, talk yourself through it for a minute. Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Steph, because uh, of course the flight decks on all our aircraft were pretty much identical. Uh, If you were in a 330, about the only way you could really tell uh, at first glance was to count the number of throttles. Um, So the company got in the habit of uh, making uh, differences cards, laminated cards, very basic but very simple, uh, down by your legs. So when we first got on board, the first thing we'd do is pull out the card. And go, right, we're on an a three forty three hundred today or mm-hmm. 600, and let's just run through the differences. we we'll would remind ourselves of the weight differences, the engine differences, and speed uh, changes that might, limitations, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and kind of that, the same uh, thing.
4: Unfortunately, they're yeah, all different enough that your brain kind of switches. It's not that I was going
5: to say, our problem was that the flight decks were nearly identical. Mm-hmm. But, of course, if you're climbing into a different airplane and the, everything looks differently, yeah. then hopefully that cues you as to um, it, it which does. one you're
3: in. Yep. Did you say something about cards? No. I thought somebody did. I think Nick said mentioned the word yeah, card. I I thought. Oh, the
4: card. The difference car- is cards. The difference
3: is cards. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that... Just reminded me of something.
5: Triggered something in Jeff's brain. Yeah, yes. just trying to play snap with some cards. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Let's see. You ever play 52 card pickup?
3: <laughs> yes, My I My favorite have.
4: game for other people to play.
3: That never gets, <laughs> never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It- I'm going to save this for the next show. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they left, it, left us in suspense. Cliffhanger. Oh, I'll just. Uh, what a tease. Um, I'll just kind of. Here's the tease. Ooh. Okay.
4: Cards. Definitely cards.
3: cards. Ooh. 16 inches, huh? Okay. <laughs> um, let's see.
4: Hey, you said it first. Or someone else
3: said it first. <laughs> yeah, that's true it was me that's true that's true <laughs> all right um thank you texas and Lashok great question and uh, thanks for letting us know where some of those legacy seven fours are um let's see oh i see in the chat room Ahmad uh, dan hamadu from uh, nigeria i believe is with us on our our live in our live audience hello how are you doing hope you're he's doing well he's on his well. way
4: to it's past his bedtime so
3: oh yeah i would imagine yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty late over there I would imagine
4: yeah take care good to see you
3: yeah good to see you glad you made it to the uh to the live show okay um item three Kiwi al now we have captain al in the UK but this is Kiwi al you um, know mm-hmm.
4: captain al Kiwi al not so different sounding I'm gonna need a differences card I think
3: yes you might <laughs> Some quick feedback on APG 450 and the discussion on the aircraft designation for the 747 involved in the crabby landing in Hong Kong. The aircraft was a factory fresh 747-400F, and it was supplied to Atlas as a 747-47 uniform Foxtrot, UF, with the 7U being the code assigned to Atlas and, you guessed it, F for freighter. Very interesting. Hmm. Now the mystery is solved. Uh, by way of example, Air New Zealand's 747-400s were all 747-419s, and its 777-300s are all 777-319s. Uh, Acme also has um, a similar sort of uh, designation that um, Boeing uses to differentiate uh, airplanes that were made specifically for a particular airline. I just don't remember what the number is now, offhand, but trust me, there is one. Um Boeing stopped using this naming convention with the 787s. Uh, keep my ears filled with the news, views, and banter that I so love and enjoy on my walk to and from work. Cheers, Kiwi Al. Great to hear from you, Kiwi Al. And thanks for uh, setting us straight about the uh, 747-47 Uniform Foxtrot. We'll have to uh, convey that to Rick, who is not yet mm-hmm. with us, but nope. hopefully we'll join soon. Okay. Um, Next one here. Uh Uh-oh. I think we've uh, started a modeling war. And we're talking airplane models. Uh, Darren writes in, Hi, guys. Hope you're doing well. Um, A few episodes back, the Flying Kiwi sent in some feedback where he showed us his excellent model of the F-4. Well, I can't allow myself to be outdone, so he inspired me to step up my game on the F-14. On another note... And I don't want to jinx anything here, but I'm right on the verge of accepting a job offer with a Part 135 charter operator in California, which would draw a close to this long unemployment stretch. When that happens, one of the first things I'm going to do is become a regular Coffee Fund member. Honestly, you guys have really helped me during this awfully difficult time in my life. APG is a true highlight of my life, and I really appreciate all you do. Stay safe. And again, that's from Darren Nolan. And I'm going to share my screen so you can see that uh, Darren's trying to up the ante with um, the flying Kiwi Lucas. Uh, Lucas. Yep. And uh, here, let me do this first. I'm sorry. And there we go. And then I'm going to do this and share it with you. There you go. Um, look at that. Look at that F14. Look at the detail of that Ooh. Uh, paint. Um, look at the uh, inside of the cockpit of the top. I like cat. the
4: illuminated uh, screens, mm-hmm. panels.
3: Yeah, oh, but,
5: yeah, that's that great, aren't they?
3: Um, look at that. Again, he put it on top of a very shiny rooftop of a vehicle. And uh, I love the way that looks. So you can see it uh, from a whole, whole bunch of different perspectives, I guess, in just one shot. Um, that's really nice, and there's a top view, mm-hmm. and uh, a side view, the left side, and another close-up of the front cockpit of the uh, of the jet.
4: Man, there's even harnesses, restraints in there.
3: Mm-hmm. Amazing detail. I don't know, you know, I think my hands would be too shaky to kind of get that kind of detail.
4: I don't have the patience for it, so my hat's off to...
3: Huh. Yeah, I just wouldn't the think that major. stuff. Um, no, i get
4: about <laughs> <laughs> I get like partially assembled and be like, hey. I'm <laughs> <not."> <laughs> just,
3: Someone else finish this. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I'll fly against the wall. <laughs> thankfully, her
2: hands are steady for her day
3: job. <laughs> yeah, uh, Liz says thankfully, uh, Steph's hands are steady for her day job. That's right. That's right. And
4: uh, I have boxes. If you zoom in to the uh, cockpit screens, you can see the pilot's fingerprints. Really? why are they always touching the screens? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know. I'm, I have to say I'm kind of guilty of uh, doing that on occasion. You know, as much as you tell yourself, oh, I think we're going through already. Okay. We've already seen these. So anyway, if you want Just to... Just a
5: hint for uh, Darren. Um, if you run out of car roofs or uh, bonnets, hoods, uh, to put your models on, um, try a... Uh, Sheet of black perspex, uh, and then you can put that on the floor and put a bit of a cloth or something behind, and that also gives a very nice uh, reflection, dark reflection.
3: Like, were you some so, kind of uh, a photographer yeah. or something?
5: Well, it's just a thought. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it's a good idea. All right, and, and perspex. Well, that's what I
5: bought anyway. You can get a sheet of perspex for next to nothing. So, uh, oh,
3: yeah. plexiglass is the kind of the. Um, Name brand, I think that uh, we usually refer to that material over here in the U.S. of A. Um,
5: what do you call it, acetate right. or something? No.
3: Yeah, or no, just plexiglass. Plexiglass. Yeah. Plexiglass. It's not glass at all, okay. but yeah, plastic glass.
4: What did you call it, Nick?
3: Uh, perspex. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That—that's it, Steph. I'd that's your only response. Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I was trying to figure out how to spell it so I could Google it. Oh. It's a solid transparent plastic made of polymethyl methacrylate.
3: Exactly. S-P-E-R-S-P-E-X. I mean, everybody knows that. You can
4: unshare your screen there,
6: Jeffrey. It's,
3: it's, oh, um, thank you. I unshare my screen there, Jeffrey. All right. Um, very good. Now we're going to take a break from the feedback and get to the best part of the show. You all know, come on, join me in saying what it is. The Plane Tales.
4: Plane Tales. Yes.
3: And take it away, old curmudgeon.
5: The Old Pilot's Plane Tales. RAF Form 414, Volume 8. It's starting to look its age. It's frayed at the edges, wrinkled, and has bits that might fall off. No, not me, my venerable old Royal Air Force logbook. So before it comes apart completely... I think it might be time to punish you again with a few more stories from its pages. I left you last time after the tale of my embarrassing missile-firing debrief, which had brought me back down to Earth from the euphoria of launching a rocket-powered telegraph pole with quite a bang. I didn't have much of a career to ruin, so at that point, no damage done. The year was 1980 and I was on my first tour of duty with Number 43 Squadron flying the marvellous F-4 Phantom. But then you know that. After the excitement of my first firing, it was back to the more important but rather tedious training that we regularly undertook, such as electronic countermeasures. Since our ability to strike terror into the hearts of bomber pilots everywhere, depended a great deal on the capability of the enormous air intercept radar that wagged away in the Phantom's nose, a common tactic of theirs was to cheat and try to jam it. We would level the playing field by devising tactics to counter their dishonesty, but one aircraft I flew against left me amazed. United States Air Force EC-130 This American Special Forces transport was designed for nighttime skullduggery when they would drop their cargo of ninja assassins whilst protecting themselves by jamming the hell out of any and every radar threat. So Budgie and I eagerly roared off over the North Sea on a mission to search out this special Fat Albert with all its extra lumps, bumps and sticky-out bits. Before long, Budgie, head down, stirring the green soup of his radar display, mumbling something like, Double, double, toil and trouble, eye of Newton, toe of frog, when he spotted our foe and gleefully locked them up so I could dispatch a nice shiny rocket-powered telegraph pole their way. The crew of the Hercules were apparently a bit unhappy at this, and the front of my phantom reverberated with a mighty clang as they decoyed our radar off themselves with such speed that the scanner smacked against the end stops. Each time Budgie tried for a lock, the same thing happened, and now the original blip had been replaced by multiple targets dodging around like a manic pinball machine. Curses, we both cried. We should have added more root of hemlock. But not to be outdone, we homed in on their emissions until I saw the dastardly radar wrecker and tried to hoof around the back for a sidewinder shot. Refusing to give in, the EC-130 decoyed the infrared head of our heat-seeking death pole, whilst the pilot stood his dumpy machine on its wingtip and spanned it around and around in circles. Not to be outdone, I did some pilot stuff myself and rocketed up above him where he would find it hard to keep me in sight. Coming back down, I lined him up in the gunsight and hosed him down with a stream of imaginary 20 millimeter cannon shells. "'You can't decoy a bullet,' I said, but they replied, "'Try doing that in the dark, son.' Being of youthful appearance, I was frequently referred to by my squadron colleagues as the boy pilot, which was perhaps why I was picked to take part in my next mission of note, the Blue Peter Special. For those unfortunate enough to have missed an opportunity to grow up in Britain, Blue Peter is the longest-running children's TV show in the world, having started in 1958 a live entertainment show for kids. It features celebrity interviews, competitions, challenges, and such. And in 1980, they were holding a contest to name the latest member of the RAF's number 8 Squadron, its new mascot. 8 Squadron flew an aircraft often referred to as 20,000 rivets flying in a loose formation, the ancient Shackleton. An airborne early-warning aircraft, it lumbered around like a World War II museum piece, but was still part of the Air Force's inventory, despite each aircraft being named after a character from another children's show, the Magic Roundabout. Its job of early-warning was difficult, as it was built for a different era— and I always thought that the first giveaway from the old shack that the enemy was coming would be when they stopped talking. A bright and shiny eagle owl had been donated to the squadron to replace an earlier bird that was no more, deceased, bereft of life. It had passed on, was pushing up the daisies, kicked the bucket, shuffled off his mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the choir invisible. It was an uh, ex-owl. The BBC, in its wisdom, had decided to film the oil-dripping Shackletons and even get their presenters up for a mission, controlling fighters. Enter 43 Squadron from stage left with a pair of Phantoms. The inimitable John Spore with yours truly on his wing. We cracked off into the play area and butted heads at the behest of the fighter controllers on board and then spent a while formating on the cumbersome beast before landing at their base, Lossiemouth, to meet the TV stars. We were duly presented with our much-treasured Blue Peter badges before launching off for a repeat with the request not to use quite so much reheat this time, please, as the sound man couldn't cope. Then I see it was time for the trappers to visit. Not exactly what you might think, not a bunch of hairy mountain men wearing beaver caps and snowshoes heaving mounds of smelly animal skins around, but just about as welcome. Our trappers came from the Phantom Operational Conversion Unit and were a bunch of standards instructors, who flew with a bunch of us to see if our squadron QFI was being lazy or not. They bought up their own two-sticker, an OCU aircraft with controls in the rear cockpit, put us in the front and ran us through our paces. I think I did okay in the air, but on the oral test afterwards, I was embarrassingly short of technical knowledge and my understanding of the Phantom's limitations was unacceptably limited. As a punishment, I was given the task of presenting a lecture on the Phantom's limitations to the whole squadron on the next Friday ground training day. Apparently I showed some flair for standing up in front of people and gained some kudos from the boys by handing out edible treats for correct answers, and ensuring that the junior chaps got easy questions like, how many crew does an F-4 hold? And giving impossible ones to all the executives, like, how many bleed air holes are there in the intake ramp? Actually, in the region of 12,500. I wish I hadn't done quite so well at this task, as I might have marked my card with the boss, who obviously held a grudge, and ensure that my next posting was to be a flying instructor. The QRA count of launches was mounting, and so was my count of live intercepts against the beast from the east, the Soviet bear. The two I intercepted with Budgie on the last day of March put my tally at twenty, and by now I was a proud member of the Ten Bear Club twice over. We had another training session with the USAF Aggressor F5 squadron out of Alkenbury, this time two versus two setups, with me as a wingman, with a more experienced pilot. Then as the summer progressed, it was again time to head for Cyprus and our annual six weeks in the sun, called the Armament Practice Camp. This time I was given an aircraft to take out and spent five hours, forty minutes strapped to my Phantom whilst we tanked our way out the two and a half thousand miles to the little island in the Mediterranean. This was a time of political wrangling and dispute, particularly between the Greeks and the Turks, after the Cypriot War only a few years earlier, when Turkey had invaded the islands. It was now divided into two with the Greeks and our military bases to the south and the Turkish sector to the north with a UN peacekeeping force in between. To make things easier for everyone, we navigated our way down the Med along the lines of individual countries' airspace boundaries, not speaking to anyone. Our time in the sun was as gorgeous as usual and our partying interspersed only occasionally by flying, which, apart from the gunnery, included a fly-past of the headquarters at Episcopi for the Queen's birthday celebrations there, and a mini-masex. Now, this little exercise was for the benefit of our naval chums, who were floating past Cyprus at the time. We mounted an attack on the fleet in pairs with one Phantom acting as a bomber and the other as a missile fired at the ships. I was the missile, which had the added bonus of being given camp blanche to buzz the RN boats. As I belted in at around 600 knots, I pretended to be a very good missile by diving down to sea level and running as low as I could. Spying a suitably sized boat, I rattled past at deck height, thoroughly enjoying myself, but noticing how difficult it had been to get down to the height of the deck. After landing, I grabbed a copy of Jane's All the World's Paddle Ships and looked the boat up. It seems I had picked a frigate, not all that big, and the deck was actually only thirty feet above the waterline. "'Ah, that explained things, and I went away feeling suitably chastened. "'It might have been a good idea to have checked before the mission. "'Still, the Navy came close enough to shore for us to pay them a visit, "'and we duly sat in their wardroom, being introduced to their habit of saluting poop-decks and their special beer.' I recall that it had lots of X's in its name, and after a few pints I had similar X's in my eyes. Good stuff, chaps. When it came time to head back home, I was again given one of our F-4s to fly, and we set off in a 4 with me last to roll. It was a pair's takeoff, so after the first pair rolled, we took to the runway and I parked on the wing of my leader. He wound a finger in the air, so I powered up those mighty Rolls-Royce spays and checked the gauges. All good, so when my lead pilot nodded his head, I released the brakes and went to full dry power. A second signal and we both engaged reheat. I scanned forward down the runway and then across to the lead aircraft, keeping my position. With the stick hard back. as the nose came up, it was just a matter of checking forward a little and then letting the aircraft leave the ground. Airborne and another signal for gear up. I looked in for half a second to find the big gear knob, and then, on the nod of his head, I whipped it up, and my hand was back onto the throttles to keep in position, but there was a bit of a problem. With full reheat, I was dropping back, and I couldn't hear the usual thumping of the undercarriage settling into the wheel wells. A quick glance, and I could see that the gear lever was up, but the indication still showed three little wheels. The gear was still down, and with all that drag I couldn't keep up, and what's more, I needed to keep the speed below 250 knots, the gear limiting speed. We pulled away and watched the other three aircraft continue to climb. They had a tanker to meet, so they weren't going to hang around for me. Andy in the back seat and I ran through the checklist and tried a few suggestions from the duty pilot, but there was nothing for it. I needed to get back on the ground. Once on the ground, I double-checked that there were no locks left in the undercarriage. The engineers went to work, and then it was time to try again. We had tagged on to the final formation to go, so if it didn't work this time, we'd be stuck in Akrotiri. Off we went, and the crash of the nose wheel hitting the top of the bay with its usual thump was very satisfying, and I settled down to another 5 hours and 50 minutes of tedium and tanking. Back into the not-so-sunny Scotland, and in between QRA scrambles, I see us taking on Jaguars, F-104s, F-111s and Harriers, all very exciting and up in the highlands of northern Scotland there was no better flying than hunting down our prey amongst the lochs, glens, and mountains of that remote and severe countryside that was on our doorstep. Burners lit, we would hammer around the granite cliffs that soared upwards to the peaks of Antialach, the Mamores, and Great Corries, and Ben Nevis itself— and then burst out over the flat plains and the great lakes, like Loch Nancla, which we Sassanacs had dubbed Pork Chop Lake. It wasn't all fun, though. Before long, September had arrived, and although I nabbed another couple of bears for my birthday, we were soon into exercise teamwork, a joint maritime NATO excise way out over the Atlantic. Twenty five hours in just five flights and a long way out over the ocean with little trade for us to play with. Akin to just drilling holes in the sky for the sake of it, but something I'd have to get used to in years to come. Just no coffee to keep us going, and little opportunity to seek relief of any kind. Should our bladders get the best of us, we had but one option, the RAF Piddle Pack, formerly known as Bag Crew Relief. It was a sturdy plastic bag with a longish neck and a dried-out sponge inside. Having decided that it was impossible to carry on, it was quite a palaver to use. First we had to engage our rudimentary autopilot and then make the ejector seat handle between our legs safe, as there would be a lot of activity down in that area. After unbuckling, there was a strap that ran right down the front of the groin that needed moving. We would start to delve inside layer after layer of protective clothing. This began with the immersion suit, a thick and unbending flight suit that became more or less waterproof after immersion in the sea. To get at the groin, there was a zip and a Velcro strip, beneath which was a long rolled-up tube. Unrolling it was only the first job, as beneath it was a thick Acroland Pile onesie, and then underneath that the waistband of the G-suit, through the Y of our long johns, and then the final personal underclothing of whatever style was preferred. Having located the appropriate appendage, it had to be encouraged back through all these layers and inserted into the neck of the piddle pack. This all had to be done by feel. It was just about impossible to see what was going on, but that was just the physical challenge. The mental barriers then had to be overcome. Having spent several hours trying not to pee, now we had to convince a reluctant bladder that it was safe to do so. And once that had been accomplished, we had other concerns. The bladder can hold a lot, and assuming the bag was big enough, We then had the problem of where to stow it There was no approved pee storage Built into the Phantom cockpit Still, the pilots' difficulties were small When compared to those of a navigator If they were sensible, they wouldn't let us know But should they ask for a smooth ride So that they could pee That was usually the last thing they got Peeing upside down was a challenge that defeated most backseaters.
3: You have such a wealth uh, and depth of experiences that I'm always just amazed when I hear all these uh, PTs about your logbook, Form 414 or whatever it is, you know?
5: (laughs) still got a few to go uh I, I must admit i i i feel a bit reluctant to keep delving into it because, no these are interesting uh, things uh, i
3: want to hear about them you know
5: <laughs> okay brilliant yeah. brilliant well i shall i shall keep going then
3: oh honestly they're my favorites
4: sorry i was trying to talk and i was still muted
3: <laughs> yeah well, let me meet you again then no i'm just kidding oh uh, <laughs> oh well
5: uh-huh. thanks very much No, oh, right. i uh, it's great it's great to eat. and for me it's much easier to uh recount stories from memory than it is to actually research a, a difficult plain tale uh,
3: yeah I can see why I, I you'd prefer to, that But um, anyway there, there, I know there are stories you've heard and probably told many times in your past but uh, for the, most of us it's the first time that we're hearing about these things and it's just amazing amazing appreciate it
2: mm-hmm.
3: alright and what was that Blue Peters? That means something entirely different over here
5: Blue, okay. blue Peter. <laughs> I'm kidding, I can't leave it there because uh, uh, a blue Peter is uh, actually a naval flag. But uh, so what is it in the States? Oh, no, it's
3: not. Nothing. Uh, we need to continue with our <laughs> feedback.
5: <laughs> I'm yeah. going to look it up now.
3: Oh, and no better time than to uh, start off with some audio feedback from our good friend and... Uh, prominent APG community member, Glenn, from Down Under. What does Blue Peter
5: mean in America?
3: Uh, shh, you're still, you're, you're, your microphone's still on, Nick. So, shh. I know. <laughs> okay, here we go.
8: G'day, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, Captain Rick, and Dr. Steph. It's Glenn here from New Zealand. I just had a thought, all your names only have four letters, just like my name has four letters, oh, isn't it? a good thing. Anyway, sorry, I just was there. Um, I was listening to Max Trescott's very interesting aviation news talk uh, podcast with my very good friend, Rob Mark, I've known for many years. And he was saying about, they were talking about go-arounds and how pilots don't seem to practice go-arounds. I mean, it's such a thing that, save your life. I mean, literally save your life. I mean, a number of pilots have died and taken their passengers and crew and everyone else with them by not doing a go-around properly, you know. So he said he talked to an airline pilot and said they just don't practice go-arounds. I mean, why not? Why don't they practice go-arounds? And do you guys practice go-arounds when you do your check rides every year in the simulator? Just just an interesting thought that came up from his uh, Uh, fine podcast Um, yeah so that's about it really Um, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if I didn't get a chance to say this before it's probably the last if I'm doing more feedback this year anyway uh, that's about it Talons Douglas uh, Glenn out
3: thanks Glenn Um, not sure how you're spelling stuff but uh, I guess S-T-E-F maybe
8: (laughs) S-T-E-F would only
4: have four letters but my name has a P-H so it's actually five. Sorry to ruin the uh symmetry and balance. Huh? I thought,
5: it was, huh? I thought it was a PhD.
3: Well No, not that course. either. <laughs> Piled high and deep, that's for sure.
4: That's right. That's right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um so Glenn, always always great to hear from you. In fact, we're gonna hear from him again, um, if we have time on today's mm-hmm. episode. But um so I think he said I it was hard for me to understand exactly, but he said something about he had heard on this other podcast about that prop. Was he saying prop pilots didn't practice go arounds? Is that what?
4: I thought he said airline pilots.
3: Well, didn't no. He at the, after go-around. that he did. He's he was talking about um, uh, Max or not Max. Um, the uh,
4: yeah Max Trescott. Yeah, Max. Tres- oh yeah, Max.
3: Okay. Max Trescott's mm-hmm. uh, pl- podcast. Uh, podcast, and uh, so I'm thinking that maybe they were talking about general aviation, and maybe he said. Props. I can't understand that darn Kiwi accent. Apparently, um, but um, yeah, airline. I don't know what airline pilot he was talking to, but it seems like that's all we do when we're in the simulator is practice God, yes. like, go arounds. stop, stop,
5: around. Stop the
4: go
3: around. <laughs> it's because you know we don't. All really... right, go around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, it's because we we don't normally do them that often in in the real world and so that's why we take the opportunity to do a whole bunch of them more than we want in the simulator so well
4: and that's the reason to practice them yes so you can execute them correctly and it feels like a normal procedure
3: right if you need to that is so true
5: absolutely and of course the instructors uh, prefer them because if you do a full stop landing in the simulator they've got to reset everything to get you in a position where you can do your next takeoff Whereas, because if you're continually making approaches and doing go rounds, you know you just you, the simulator just carries on, carries on. So yep. where there's no delay and no holdups.
3: Or if you're a pilot like me, I'd say maybe fifty percent of the time, go ahead and put that thing up there. Um, my my approach is so bad that I have to go around, so I get a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. No. Um, yeah, That's. Uh, I thought that was, I was kind of scratching my head when, when you said that, Glenn, that uh, the airline pilot that this, I guess, Max was talking to said that they don't practice them. I'm thinking, oh, really? That's not common or normal. Well,
4: also check out Max Trescott's wonderful podcast. It's Aviation News Talk.
3: Aviation News Talk. Thank you. I can't remember the mm-hmm. name. Uh, it's a very popular, it's one of the top podcasts in the aviation segment out there. So. He does a, a, an amazing job, so uh, definitely check that out. If you're looking for one that uh, is just boring as all get-out and really has no value whatsoever, I would check out Opposing Bases. Um, <laughs> just kidding.
5: I was just listening to their latest one. Actually, they're funny guys. They really are. They are very funny. There's yeah. something strange about them.
3: <laughs> there is. I guess that's there's something strange great.
5: about all their traffic controllers. It's kind of like
3: rubbernecking, and there's a like a, a car crash or something, and you just you know you want to stop, <laughs> slow down, and watch it. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I kid, we're having fun. We're fun. We're um, we're we're poking fun at each other all the time. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, trust me.
5: Oh, they were very um, complimentary about the tale I did about Bravo November, the Chinook mm. helicopter. So that was nice.
3: Yes. Excellent. And it was a, it was a very, a very uh, informative and entertaining one as well.
5: Well, considering it was about helicopters, which are about the most dreadful flying machine in right. the world ever invented, but
3: don't know how you did I it. Can't. Actually, to make you made it interesting. Next, <laughs> Send <laughs> Your <laughs> feedback
5: to Captain
4: Nick
3: at AirlinePilotGuy, or affa- I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended by, by Captain Nick at AirlinePilot. Yes, I'm offended guy. by Captain Nick <laughs> uh,
5: at AirlinePilotGuy.com. That's quite <laughs> yes. a long uh, email. Address. It is it's fine. It'll
3: get there. It'll get there no matter how you do it, actually.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have to spell it right.
3: No, but the the downside of doing that though, is that, uh, it'll only come to me and not the rest of the crew. So if you want the whole crew to see it, you have to do the standard feedback at airlinepilotguide.com. Just a, just a hint.
5: Okay. so don't do that.
3: Yeah. No, you definitely use that. Um, (laughs) six. Okay. Okay. Liz. Um, Ann Arbor Dave writes in, uh, Jeff, I copied and pasted from an Acme non-rev Facebook group. It brought a tear to my eye. I got permission from the ticket agent who got permission from the young man's mother. He's setting this up. So here we go. This is what he cut and paste or copied and paste. pasted. <laughs> December 8, uh, the ATL main lobby south terminal. I'm working the ticket counter, and I notice a little senior lady standing off to the side. So I ask her if I can help her with anything. Uh, She smiles and says, No, thank you. I'm just waiting on my grandson. He's admiring your Delta ticket counter. I look down the counter, and there he is with his mama following behind him. Introductions are made, excited chatter, and it seemed like I learned this story in mere seconds, and my heart literally melted. Matthew... Learned his story, probably, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Matthew was born with autism and has quite the story. But his heart, y'all, his heart for Delta will steal you away. He doesn't have a lot of friends and has a difficult time at school with the other kids because of his differences. But you know kids, they don't see remarkable at that age. Matthew is brilliant and has so much love for Delta. From the start, he let it be known that Delta was his favorite airline. And it confounded him why we haven't won more awards than we have. He shared a story with me. He was on one of his Delta flights and the pilot let him sit in the cockpit. In conversation, Matthew shared he was born with autism. That angel pilot shared a disability he struggled with when he was a kid. Matthew quotes the pilot sharing with him, don't ever let anyone tell you you can't just because you have a disability because you can do whatever you want to do in life. Matthew was beaming as he shared that story. And I was wishing that that pilot could see the seed he planted in this young man a few years back. Captain, you made a huge difference that day. Matthew shared our stock exchange with me. He knew facts about our jets that I didn't even know. He is a human Delta museum. Matthew has an Instagram account, Delta 717 underscore diecast that is dedicated mostly to Delta. And I quickly learned he could steal a heart quicker than I've ever seen in all my life and without even trying. Matthew was celebrating his 11th birthday, and all he wanted for his birthday was to visit the Delta Museum in Atlanta. So his grandma and his mama made that happen for him. But when they pulled into the entrance, they learned the Delta Museum was closed And there they were, at Hartsfield-Jackson South Terminal, letting Matthew soak in all of the Delta he could from our lobby. Y'all, I couldn't let this go. I called our phenomenal ATL Airport Experience team, and I shared Matthew's story. Minutes later, our team gal showed up. My heart freaking exploded as I watched this innocent young guy steal yet another heart. After listening to Matthew for just a few minutes... He lived in my heart, my girl's heart, too. She got on her phone and began dialing one number after another, after another, after another. Within minutes, two other Delta heroes showed up with gifts and our sweet Matthews private airport escort. Have I shared how much I love my job and my teammates in the heart of our Delta? Oh my gosh, (laughs) y'all, only at Delta would the red carpet be rolled out for an 11-year-old, but you couldn't help but want to make today bigger than life for him. His heart for us, y'all, I've never seen anything like it, ever. His mama got in touch with me tonight and shared Matthew's experience today. It was, quote, the best day of his life, and hands down, quote, the best birthday ever, and those were Matthew's words. Through tears and love, Mama happily gave permission to share Matthew's story, pictures, and his Instagram account, uh, Delta717 underscore D-I-E-C-A-S-T diecast. He doesn't have a lot of followers, but he would love a Delta family to follow him, and he would be bowled over by any jet shots on the ground or in the air or in the cabin and any fabulous destination shots where Delta was your chosen carrier. Mama Bear gave her permission for our Delta family to embrace her only son, returning our love for him just as he loves us. Y'all check out Matthew's Instagram. The guy is 11. He is also recreating airport runways on a smaller scale, of course. Today, it was truly the best day in 2020 for me. My heart is so full. And then she puts again, at Delta717 underscore diecast, check him out. Got the syndrome. Ann Arbor Dave. Oh, okay. That, that, so that was the end of the thing that he copied and pasted from another gate agent in uh, Atlanta. Uh, Ann Arbor Dave, obviously, is uh, it works out of the Detroit Metropolitan Airport. That makes sense, right? Ann Arbor mm-hmm. um, Dave. Thank you, Ann Arbor, Dave. Very, very nice of you to send this. Uh, And yeah, very touching. And, you know, it's, I think the touching thing about it is when a a child has autism or some kind of a disability like that. Yeah, it's really hard to see past that, especially when you're a young, a young person. But as you get older, you start to realize how, you know, gifted um, a lot of people are even, even uh, in spite of or because of their disability.
4: Yeah, I agree. And definitely the year where we need these feel-good stories. So, nice to see that people, despite challenging years for themselves, can recognize um, ways to give back and make someone else happy.
3: Yes.
5: I think it's great that people uh, who are often very busy uh, just manage to give some time um, to someone they immediately recognize as in need of some love and being a a very special person. So, um, hats off to the the Delta folk for uh, doing
3: all that. That's and, brilliant. And it also goes to show you that so, sometimes seemingly innocent, unimportant to us, things that we do or say to somebody really make a, a big impact on them, or can. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. Thank you very much, Dave, for sending that in. Appreciate that. Um, Magnus writes, uh, hello, APG crew. Thanks. As usual for a great podcast regarding the feedback about home flight simulators. This summer Microsoft released their new flight simulator. Microsoft flight simulator 2020 sets a new standard for home flight simulators. Add yoke rudder pedals and a throttle and you have a really fun setup. And he put us or gave us a bunch of, uh, of links to uh, check out. Uh, One of them was the, uh, The uh, yoke and rudder um, controls that you can get. Some of these things are not cheap at all. I mean, it's quite investment. I was going to say, I just
4: pulled up the link. It's uh, yeah, it's a little pricey, but if that's um, they
3: got force feedback
5: and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, if you want to make it uh, realistic, if you want to take full advantage of uh, Microsoft Flight Sim and all that it can offer, you need an equivalent uh, piece of hardware.
3: Yeah. And I think the, the throttle mm-hmm. quadrant actually was pretty sophisticated looking too, but it wasn't quite as expensive as the uh, as that first one was, with the uh, force feedback yoke. Um, he also mm-hmm. cl- included a link to the official pre order launch trailer uh, from from Microsoft, and I do believe uh, I do believe that I have that all set up. We can listen to a, or yeah, listen, and if you're watching the video, you can watch a little bit of this if you haven't already seen it. Uh, I suspect that a lot of people that uh, listen to our show probably already have, but let's uh, go ahead and play a little bit of it, and hopefully we won't get in trouble from, <laughs> from uh, YouTube or Microsoft. Was, there's Steph
2: hmm
5: Well, when's she gonna jump out?
3: That's a caravan oh, a right there, right?
5: <laughs> that was a caravan. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's amazing detail on these. hmm I don't know what kind of caravan oh, I see, that is. <laughs> Oh, he's flying yeah. for
2: the Airbus 300, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: brand
7: new.
3: First flight. <laughs> First flight. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, the scenery is awesome. Hmm. They're showing... up. Um, Central Park. Yep, Central yeah. Park, uh, Manhattan Island, some formation flying, a little pit special, oh, pit looks, special. looks like. special. Yeah. yeah. Just cool. incredible. Is that one of those extra 300s Dubai. or something? yeah. Yeah. Just incredible, uh, the the amount of detail.
5: Oh, look at the detail of that gear coming down. Yep. Here it
6: goes, Rick. Oh,
3: wow.
5: That's pretty impressive.
3: Here's that new Airbus
5: 330. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's a Berlin bomber. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very well done.
6: I love the music inspirational
3: too. Inspirational music too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
5: Of course, you realise that not only will you have to buy that expensive set of controls and the program, you can need new, new computers to run it. They can on, handle and all a the graphics, the extra screen, <laughs> wrap around screens. And, oh yeah,
4: you're like yeah. you know twenty grand into this. That, time that time actually is worth
5: yeah. it. I, yeah, I, if you if you if you're not going to be a uh, a pilot and don't want to spend your money that way, I can't think of anything better than. Uh, Getting flight simulator and immersing yourself in it. it looks fantastic.
3: Yeah, I agree. You know, earlier, Nick, you had uh, mentioned oh, think by the way, before we go on, Magnus, thank you for your feedback. He says, "Take care and have a lovely Christmas, Magnus, gladden, and uh, we do appreciate that. Um, so you were talking earlier, Nick, about uh, you mentioned a word uh, I think it was volmet. Um We have some. Uh,
5: yeah, that's right.
3: Feedback from Matt. He said, I'm, I am a ham. Yeah, we all are here on the show. Oh, you mean a ham radio (laughs) operator. (laughs) So I often find myself scanning through the HF, the high frequency bands. I often come across the VOLMET weather frequencies during these scans. This makes me wonder how often do crews listen to these weather reports and do they rely on these broadcasts for weather information? Has newer technology made these broadcasts obsolete? Yes, I've included a recording from the Trenton, Canada station for your listening pleasure. He put in parentheses, I mean in quotations, pleasure, <laughs> because it's kind of hard to listen to uh, high frequency radio at times. You'll you'll see why here. Let's let's take a listen. Break. Ottawa,
7: Ottawa, time one zero 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 zulu. Nine or zero. At one zero. Visibility one five. Few clouds. At nine or hundred. Ceiling three thousand six hundred broken. Five thousand broken. Temperature one. Dew point minus two. Altimeter two or eight seven.
3: So you hear all that static, and it's very, very noisy. <laughs> it's kind of painful oh, to listen to. the signal
5: fades in and out, and uh, yeah. And it always fades out just when you're getting to the vital piece of information <laughs> exactly. that you're waiting for.
4: And here it is, and...
5: <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to come around again for another 20 minutes or so. So <laughs> Yeah,
3: because they po- yeah, they do a bunch of different stations, right? It's not like it's just one yep. station that they're doing, they're doing a whole bunch no, of different no, they're regional- doing a whole
5: region mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing them in order uh you can you can get them from your flight documents as to what the frequencies, etc uh and if you miss the one you're after you've got to wait for it to go through the whole list of them again and come back all the time you're just mindlessly listening to all that hash and crackle it's dreadful
3: <laughs> now we listen to uh Sometimes we go to airports that are smaller and don't have digital uh, automatic terminal information service, ATIS. Uh, So we have to actually tune in the VHF frequency, which is, trust me, a lot cleaner than an HF broadcast is. Uh, But if you're too far away, sometimes you'll get a bleed over from like an air traffic control frequency or whatever. And it always seems that that vital piece of information you need because you have everything else then somebody makes com- some kind of a transmission on an air traffic control frequency oh then you got to listen to the whole thing over again <laughs> it's not quite so bad yeah. as the Volmat uh, thing where you know you're they're covering a whole bunch of different uh, airports but
5: well w- whenever I was a first officer you know in those early days uh, trying to get that uh, and because the company was always very stingy and they never wanted us to use uh, our uh, information get the uh, weather through the the um, the Printer, mm-hmm. uh, which would cost money. Every character that you uh, downloaded uh, would cut co- you'd have to pay for. Them. They said, I wonder well, if that's if really true. you can true. get it on HF, <laughs> yeah, they were really screwed you. <laughs> if you can get it on HF, then we don't want you to use the uh, uh, the A ACARS. Um, so I'd be sitting there with my hands on me ears trying to listen to this goddamn HF. And just when it came to the station you're interested, the door, cockpit door would fly open and some young lady would come in and go, Uh, what do you want for dinner, guys? And I hear the blah, blah. and they start yakking away and I'd be uh, seemingly very rude with my hands on my ears, trying to ignore them and actually not hearing either conversation. So just mm-hmm. a nightmare. And that's
3: how that's the story of how you became the old curmudgeon
5: exactly. Yes, that's why none of the girls would ever speak to me.
3: <laughs> so, Steph, when you, um, yeah, uh, get, I guess most of the time when you're getting information like that, it's a uh, ASOS, ASOS, yeah, um, Common?
4: yeah, local or, weather,
3: or do you ever? really venture far enough away from the home base that you really need to do that right you're you just left it so you already know what the weather is
4: exactly yeah usually we're very well familiar with what the weather actually is because we've been looking at at it in great detail just look out the window jump run and everything else and we know the winds (laughs) all the way up to you know about fourteen thousand feet and everything else
3: yeah that really doesn't apply to you then i guess Mm -mm.
4: but but speaking of uh, just the local ctaf frequency when you do get up relatively high and you're trying to make radio calls for parachute jumpers and whatnot, it's almost impossible to get a word in edgewise because you're hearing everything from like a 200 nautical mile radius. Like we hear people from Florida and like out on the coast and, and Georgia and all kinds of things. So you just have to assume that they're not going to hear you. Only anyone b- very close is going to hear you and just kind of step on it and, and say, just, what start, talking. Say. <laughs> just start talking. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: Cool. All right. And I guess the higher you get, the more interference you get, right? Because... Oh, the, uh, the
4: worse it gets. It, it's yeah. almost unlistenable. Like, you just have to... It's like, no, no I can't can't listen to this. Yeah. Cause it's just constant. Everyone's stepping on everyone else because they don't hear each other, but you can hear it.
3: Right. All right. Well, thank you, Matt, for sending us in that little clip of uh, VolMet. And, uh, again, that's Matt Todd, uh, Kilo, Charlie, Oscar... No, or that would be a zero, wouldn't it? Victor, Romeo, Victor... Is a uh, ham radio ha- call letters, I guess you'd say, right? I'm not a ham oh, myself. Hays call sign, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, continuing on. It's quite a
5: long one, actually. That's quite enough. Mm. Thanks for like. noticing.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike, I just said that, didn't I? You threw me off. Uh, pilots and air traffic controllers may receive Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine with appropriate precaution. Uh, He said this is cut and pasted from FAA.gov. Following the emergency use authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for Pfizer Incorporated's COVID-19 vaccine, the FAA FAA has determined that pilots may receive the vaccine under the conditions of their FAA-issued airman medical certification. FAA air traffic controllers who are subject to FAA medical clearance may also receive the vaccine. To maintain the highest level of safety in the national airspace system, The agency will require aviation professionals with medical certifications or medical clearances to observe a period of 48 hours following the administration of this vaccine before conducting safety-sensitive aviation duties such as flying or controlling air traffic. Because the Pfizer vaccine requires two doses, 21 days apart, for maximum effectiveness, this waiting period applies after each dose. The FAA anticipates taking no additional measures to ensure safety after the initial window for side effects closes. However, the agency's medical professionals will continuously monitor the the initial distribution of the novel vaccine and documented clinical results and will adjust these recommendations as needed. Uh, The FAA will evaluate vaccines from other manufacturers as they receive FDA authorization in the coming weeks and months and will advise pilots and air traffic controllers of any waiting periods required for those vaccines. Uh, Let's see, the the FAA applies similar brief waiting periods after administration of other vaccines, including those for tuberculosis and typhoid. Uh, Okay, so yeah, so I think the category for uh, folks like myself um, is 1B in the uh, priority for Mm. authorization for the vaccine. Uh, 1A, I think, is the the highest risk group. Um, But uh, yeah. Yeah,
4: it's generally like frontline healthcare workers, those who are in nursing homes or live in nursing homes or work there and with, um, certain medical conditions are the first in line. Um, but yeah, the reason for this, um, people are going, well, you know, this vaccine is, um, is safe and it has authorization. Why do we need a 48 hour waiting period? Well, it has to do with the way the vaccine actually works and how you might feel after you receive the vaccine. Um, so in particular, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna ones, which are going to be the, um, The Pfizer one already available here in the U.S. and Moderna probably very soon. Um, They use use mRNA, which basically once it's uh, inside your body, basically tells your cells to produce the little bit of spike protein that's on the um, surface of the virus itself. So you're not getting the virus, but you're basically giving your body instructions to manufacture that spike protein, you know, on a temporary basis. Um, But the body still recognizes that that's not supposed to be inside of you, and that's how you end up mounting that immune response and building immunity so that if you do get the virus, it recognizes that spike protein immediately and doesn't allow it to do bad things, make you sick, and and all kinds of bad complications. But it also means you're still going to get an an immune response to that spike protein that your body has manufactured. So you may feel not so great for 24, 48 hours afterwards. It's not uncommon to have low-grade fever, just kind of feel a little on the... Ill side, um, mild flu-like symptoms are not uncommon. So, hence the reason for the forty-eight hour waiting period. You so it doesn't fly if you're it doesn't feel way.
3: like you had the full-blown flu or anything like that. It just you just kind of feel a little so off. So
4: it can vary, and yeah. I am not going to say whether and uh, not having had the vaccine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know folks who have been in the trials and believe they have received the vaccine and the symptoms that they've felt. Um, and I will say you can feel pretty, pretty kind of puky for not not throw up wise, but just. Not great for about 24 hours.
3: Hmm. Makes me want to sign up for it right away. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Listen, I'm already signed up for it. I'm just waiting for them to call my name oh, I will be I it well, as yeah. soon as I possibly can. I think 24 to 48 hours of feeling poorly to make sure that I don't have to actually uh, be at risk of getting the actual virus is well worth it.
3: I mean, every week we have spent three hours feeling pretty darn poorly when we're doing the show. Um, <laughs> feels so great right now. <laughs> that's a side effect of Apg. <laughs> <laughs> feeling like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> just can, That's good information. Thank yeah. you, Steph. But, uh, it's interesting yeah, the but way muscle that ache, uh, muscle muscle
4: aches, fatigue, low grade fever are all common um, common reaction to the. Or I shouldn't say reaction or side effect is just common response to the vaccine. that's mm-hmm. supposed to work that
3: way. Uh, how's the response yeah, to the vaccine you. differ from like a, a more traditional type of vaccine?
4: So this one's different in that you're not getting any either live or attenuated virus.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, that's kind of more traditional along the traditional lines of vaccines where you actually get a weakened, dead, or even, um, yeah, so weakened live virus or dead virus that your body then builds an immune response to. So you don't mount a full immune response to it um, mm-hmm. as if you had gotten the actual illness. Um, but there's enough in your system for your body to recognize, oh, hey, you know, we need to, this is foreign, we don't want this in our body, build that immune response. Um, this is a little different in that you're actually receiving those genetic instructions to manufacture that spike protein, but mm-hmm. it's just the protein of the virus. It's not the actual virus itself. And and your body does produce a pretty strong immune response to that.
3: Just a characteristic of the virus.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Neil says, is it as effective as go around a cillin?
4: <laughs> just as effective, fewer side effects,
3: <laughs> yeah. less stomach cramps. yeah. That- that has a lot of stomach crap Stomach cramps like 10 times. Yeah. I have
5: to say that was one of Brett's best ever. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yes, it was. Um, Brent. Yeah, I should probably, should I play just a, lo- a little snippet of it right yes. now? Yes. Sure. Okay, well, let me see if I can, can find it. I'll have to do a special search. <laughs> 10 minutes oh, left, Jeff. Ten I only have 10 left. minutes left, Liz says. Well, get off my back. <laughs> okay Um, let's see go around no that's not going to work I can't do that let's see just pretend that none of this is happening (laughs) I say that to the girls all the time Um, (laughs) just pretend never mind Um, go around the ceiling I found it here we go
9: Why, hello there. My name is Miami Hick, and I'm here to talk to you today about an embarrassing subject that no one likes to talk about, APG Syndrome. Mm. Do you have a constant pain in your neck from always looking up at airplanes? Have you tried to grow your own Captain Jeff mustache? Do you think of Miami Rick every time you hear a cricket? Steph. Think of Captain (laughs) Nick when you hear a frog croak. (laughs) Think of Dana whenever you eat Boston baked beans. (laughs) Do you think of Dr. Steph whenever you get stuck with a needle? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you are suffering from APG syndrome. we Will suffer no more. Introducing Go Around Asilin. with only 36 daily doses of an easy-to-swallow <laughs> pill. You can be free of your symptoms with Go Around Asilin. Talk to your doctor today and find out if Go Around Asilin is right for you. Like all medicine, go around and sell and have side effects, which include headache, nausea, vomiting, stomach bleeding, bleeding from the ears, nose, and eyes, uncontrolled diarrhea, stomach cramps, yellowing of the teeth, hair, and toenails, warts, hair loss, dry mouth, constipation, and stomach cramps.
3: <laughs> you can see the side effects. I'm t- not really sure it's worth it. <laughs> and 36 times a I might day, think twice about
4: that. They're, I mean, convenient-ish.
3: So that's like every, what, 45 minutes or something like that. <laughs> I haven't done the math, but it's something. It's less than an hour, every hour. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, there's Very only 24 hours in
4: the day, so <laughs> 36 so, times a day.
3: it's Yeah, yeah it's got to be, yeah, I think I did that right, like 45 minutes. I thought
6: it was 36 mm, daily doses. doses. 36, so 36 minutes? Days.
3: Yeah, no, 36 doses per day.
2: <laughs> oh. Okay.
3: Yeah, it's uh, not a good thing. <laughs> anyway, they're working on it. You know, the scientists uh, that were working on the go-round uh, they got taken off the task diverted, because yeah. of the, uh, yeah, diverted because of the COVID yeah. thing, so. Hopefully, after this all dies down, they'll start working they'll on the Go one again. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike uh, says, "Do we want to do so Liz? Shall what I? Sh- we only have a few minutes left in the show. Uh, what should I do? You think?
6: Mm. How about twelve and thirteen?
3: Okay. Oh, this is interesting. Um, and I, I uh, haven't gotten this to work. Have Have any of you on the crew been able to download this onto your Apple Watch and gotten it to work? Okay. Oops. Oh, the
4: app. Yeah, I have not tried it. I've
3: I've tried it, but I think I, I must have done something wrong because I, it's not showing up. on I will tell it, I will
4: try it right now.
3: How about okay. That? Um, excuse me. Ah, oh, a beer is talking. Oh,
5: <sighs> by the way, 40, 40 minutes every forty minutes. Thank you.
3: That was yeah you know, would be
5: yeah, I said
4: 40, forty something minutes.
3: Yeah.
5: No, no, no. Forty something.
4: minutes. That was my rough, well, was okay, my rough 40, 40 math 40 in my head exactly. without actually writing it down. So. <clears throat>
3: All right, we'll remember uh, next time, Nick. Not a Sheesh. mathematician here. Party Doctor and a pilot.
4: Not, right. not math.
3: Okay. Number 12. Here we go. Okay, I'm doing number 12. Um, Miklos, I guess. Um, dear Miklos? Dear APG yeah, crew, cool. this is Miklos from Switzerland again. Hope you're all doing well. Instead of a flying job, as I've originally planned, thank you COVID, I've been busy the last few months putting the finishing touches on the new app I've been working on. It's called Plane Watcher, all one word, P-L-A-N-E-W-A-T-C-H-E-R, and it's a flight tracking app designed specifically for the Apple Watch. To see how it works, check, please check out www.planewatcher.app. The app was launched last week, and it went straight to the number 10 spot on the U.S. top chart of the App Store in the travel category. In case anyone on the crew has an Apple Watch Series 3 or higher, I think we all do, actually, except for maybe Rick. It's not going to work on his Breitling double, um, uh, whatever you call that thing. Um, locator, I think if you emergency hit locator the watch beacon. Enough, mm-hmm. it'll work. Yeah, maybe, but uh, the rest of us have the uh, Apple Watches. So, uh. anyway, I've attached a couple of promo codes so you can download the app for free. Listeners of the show can send me a direct message on Twitter, and that's at plain, Plane P L A N E underscore watcher at p-l-a-n-e plane underscore watcher and that's on twitter i'll send them a promo code as well yeah we'll put that in the show notes but i think by the time it gets to the show notes (laughs) these are going to be gone Uh, i'll send them a promo code as well i've got 25 left so first come first served okay so those of you who are in the our live audience who have apple watch series three or higher and are interested in this app uh, again, uh, contact Miklos on Twitter at plane underscore watcher. And he says, as always, thanks for the amazing show. Wishing you all lots of flying and a wonderful Christmas. Best regards, Miklos. And uh, he also gave some promo codes for the uh, crew. And so. Thanks very much for that. Yeah, very, very mm-hmm. nice. And uh, as I said, yeah.
4: Uh, I successfully redeemed the code. My app is now downloading.
3: Okay, very good. You know, I never got to that point, so I obviously screwed something up in the uh, installation process. Uh, Neil, again, um, says, has a question, a very important question regarding go around a sil- uh, go around a silin. And Steph, uh, maybe you'll be able to answer this. I'm not really sure. Is it swallowed or suppository? Yes. <laughs> oh. Both, <laughs> your choice. No, eighteen are well, swallowed hey, in eighteen. You had to put somebody. it simultaneously in both ends. Could be. Well,
4: yes. <laughs> that's that's if you you really want full efficacy.
3: Yeah. And extra stomach cramps.
2: <laughs> I love our, cat room. <laughs> that's why
3: our chat room. Our chat room is great. Cramps twice, appear so. twice. Yeah. Look at this one. Yeah. We're talking. Get, getting back to plane watcher app. I hope boxes. The airplanes in the sky will point to Rick's watch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> also
3: Thank <true. laughs> you. Oh man, you guys are cracking us up. Okay. <laughs> um so yeah, we're uh we're going to check that out and we'll uh, report back on uh how this uh, app works and obviously it must be pretty darn good if it got to the number 10 spot on the US top chart of the App Store in the travel category. That's very very cool. Good luck with your uh endeavor, Miklos. And uh, absolutely, yeah. And we'll, uh, as I said, I, I must have screwed something up, so I'll try to do that again. I keep
4: mm, looking for it. Mine said that. it was down, oh, downloading, and then it did not. Yeah, oh, so that's,
3: okay, hold on. yeah, ah, where hold where, on. Do, where do you find to it back. after it's met, downloaded?
4: You have to go back and, and actually confirm.
3: Ah, uh, I never did in that. In the app. Okay. Oh, user error. Yeah, user error, for sure. So, sorry about that. It was nothing that Miklos did. Okay. And, uh, how many more minutes, uh, Liz, do we have
6: three or four, two, 13 and then I think we'll wrap it
3: up. Okay. We'll do thir- 13. Um, we have some audio feedback from Martinsburg, Matt, and take it away. Martinsburg, Matt.
1: Hello, APG crew. This is Matt Peters from Martinsburg, West Virginia. I actually got my pilot's license back in 2014 while going to school for electronics engineering. My plan at that time was to pursue an aviation career and just use my engineering degree as a resume booster. But I ended up taking up engineering as a career path and now only fly for fun or as a passenger for work. Like a lot of folks in the eastern panhandle, I actually commute into the West Virginia, Washington, D.C. metro area for work. I found APG about a year ago while trying to find a way to pass the time on my long commutes. I've started to try to work back through some of the older episodes, haven't got too far with that yet. I actually fly frequently out of Dallas, India Alpha Delta, and in the past I've been on several Acme Mad Dogs, possibly with Jeff at the controls. Anyway, I never planned to send any feedback in, but the last episode I listened to, I think it was 4.52, you played audio of a meetup you had with a Captain Craig. That clip piqued my interest because Captain Craig mentioned he was a C-17 pilot for the 167th Airlift Wing. The 167th actually actually occupies the north side of my home airport, which is Kilo Mike Romeo Bravo, the Eastern West Virginia Regional Airport. I frequently rent airplanes from the Aerosmith Flight Center. Actually, it's now Bravo Aviation, I believe. They just got uh, bought out. Anyway, it's located on the south side of the field, and I've spent many a traffic pattern with the c 17 while extending my downwind, doing 360-degree turns, all that, to avoid the wake right turbulence. Martinsburg is generally class delta airspace, but when the tower closes down on the weekends, uh, it can be very attention-getting and interesting to hear a C-17 calling in on the CTAF. I occasionally practice my spot landings on the uh, little white box they have at the approach end of runway 26. They use that box, I think, to practice their their short Touching goes for dropping off cargo. Um, they don't usually drop the cargo off, actually, on the runway, though. When they do that, they note them the runway closed, so we can't fly with them. But anyway, I just wanted to say that you have at least one APG listener in the Martinsburg area, and Captain Craig, hopefully I'll see you around sometime or hear you around sometime on the radio. Captain Jeff, maybe I'll get to ride out Dallas with you someday on your 717. Thanks again for the great show. Happy flying, tailwinds, all that martinsburg matt signing off
3: that'd be awesome martinsburg matt and uh yeah i um used to be a destination a quite common destination for the mad dog and now most of the airports that we're going to are uh, the ones that i'm used to flying to and the 717 never really did and now they're kind of flying to the same places so yes iad uh, dulles international is definitely one of those places where i'll be flying in and out of so hopefully uh We'll get a chance to meet up sometime. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully also,
4: he gets a chance to meet up with Captain Craig. He's yeah, and
3: uh, Captain Craig, just so uh, everybody understands, he was just accepted or, or uh, hired uh, by the uh, the unit in uh, Martinsburg, and he, it'll be a while before he's going to be up there in a C-17. He's got to go through um, the equivalent of an officer training school, kind of a—actually, I guess— the actual officer Officer training school school. Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh, he goes through um, undergraduate pilot training and uh, or a modified version of that and so it's probably going to be you know a year and a half two years or so before you know once he initiates that uh, before he's out there and with the unit and starting to fly the c-17 but uh, um, great airplane great unit and uh, great great guy uh, Captain Craig so yeah you'll enjoy spending time with Captain Craig for sure
4: and uh i'm glad to see that nick figured out <clears throat> excuse me how to rejoin us i feel like he was having a little <laughs> bit of trouble there for a moment or i sensed he was he blacked out
3: <laughs> yeah for, <laughs> fortunately for like. us we uh he's still muted and we can't hear him
5: <laughs> <laughs> Damn, <two new> buttons. <laughs> see the more
4: i lost my voice for some reason the more complex the uh interfaces become the trickier it is to yeah
3: Remember to do you'd, all. The you things. know, you think an A three forty guy would be able to figure the stuff out, but we only really have
5: one button. <laughs> that's, the true. Take off. that's land.
3: This is much more complicated. It really is, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that's going to be it, I believe, for today's episode. And just had a couple of uh, ones that we weren't able to get to on today's show, and we'll uh, roll those over to the next episode. We'll, which will be sometime next week. I guess next week is the week of Christmas, isn't it? It's Christmas. Yeah. So most likely earlier in the week, I'm guessing, uh, for the next show. Unless we decide to take the week off. But I'm not planning on doing that. And uh, let's see. So if you are new to the show and you like what you hear and you want to learn more about it, especially the uh, more about this great community, uh, please head over to the Airline Pilot Guy website, which is airlinepilotguy.com. And we've got a lot of uh, good stuff there. I'm not going to go into it. Just check it out. You'll you'll love it. And uh, we also are on social media, or what we like to call the social meds.
4: Let's see if I found my voice. Hey, there it is. So you can head over to Twitter. We are at APG Crew. Uh, You can find all of our individual Twitter handles pinned to the top of that page as well. On Instagram, also at APG Crew. And if Facebook is more your speed, we're... Uh, airline pilot guy at Facebook. Or,
3: yeah. Something to that effect. How
4: does that work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
3: either. That's a Facebook.com. Airline com, Yeah, Facebook.com fi- slash yeah, Facebook. airline, airline pilot, pilot guy. guy.
4: There we go. That sounds better. Yeah. That sounds a lot better. All
2: right.
3: And Man, I have
4: one job around here and I can't even
3: <laughs> get that right. <laughs> just remember airline pilot guy, all one word. Yeah, that, it'll be that'll fine. pretty search, much cover that, most everything.
4: <laughs> point you in the right direction. <laughs> it
3: will. It will. And, you know, if you can't find it on that particular platform, then, you know, you shouldn't be on that platform. No. Yeah. Um, Try
4: Slack instead.
3: Yeah, try Slack. Hey, good idea. So Hillel is the guy that uh, started the uh, Slack team for the APG and manages it. And sadly, um, I don't get there as often as I should. So I do apologize for that. But you should check it out and uh, hear some information from Hillel about how to do that.
1: APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S L A C K. Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at com, or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel and I'll send you an invitation that's Hillel spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1 and see you in Slack. Thanks,
3: Hillel. Can you get me a roll of toilet paper? Yeah, after the show. All right. <laughs> stay um, seated. <laughs> stay, stay, <laughs> stay seated. Stay seated. We'll be right with you. All right. Um, Yeah, and also, we uh, can't go uh, leave the show without uh, thanking our wonderful producer-director, Liz Piper, up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She does an amazing amount of work and does her best. It doesn't always work, but to to make us look and sound like we know what we're talking about. So, thank you, Liz. And uh, with that, uh, wishing you all... Clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. Cheers, you Bye, buddy. Merry Christmas. See you next week.
2: Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy.
1: Good day.
4: A good, good pilot till I started APG. I opened doors for little old ladies, I helped them to their seats.
8: Airline, not a guy, I fly.
4: I'm always flying. I just don't have the time. But I can land this old plane. I can land it just fine.
8: Airline, well, not a guy. i fly fly.